Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Morning to you. It is two minutes and fifteen seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of July in the year of our Lord, two thousand and nine. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock One One KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Amusements. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday morning, and welcome to day twelve. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. If you'd like to join us today, five zero three. Two two eight four one zero one. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or uh, our intrepid production assistant, Greg Nibbler, can be reached at Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, at KUFO.com. Uh, Before we go any further, I should say the phrase of the day today is, quote, The man said he was naked, had diarrhea, and could not get back into his room. Right there. Right. Is that one of the side effects of those medications that are on cable? Yes. During every break? <laughs> yes. People walking in the field of lilies? May cause anal leakage. Uh, it's uh, 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like it is rick at rickemerson.com, or you can text at 520-515-5251. By the way, that's... Here's the paradoxical thing. Paradoxical? Paradoxical. I think it is paradoxical. Here's the thing about medications, though. I trust medications more when they list pages and pages and pages of side effects. If they don't list it, like if there isn't that obligatory page on the opposite side that just has nothing but small print telling you that your bowels are going to fall out after you take it, then I just assume it doesn't work. I figure anything that is actually effective, let's say cocaine, comes with any number of drawbacks. If there's no drawbacks, you know, there's nothing bad about it, ergo there's nothing good about it, therefore I'm not going to take it. That's why hippie remedies never do anything. Because they always tell you, anything that they say is perfectly safe and has no side effects or, or ancillary effects to your body, like do Like a rock and vinegar. It's good for you. Exactly. What you should do is you should sleep with some essence of lavender underneath your pillow. All right. It is uh, 503-228-4101. Coming up later on today, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio New York City. Now, Steve thinks he's coming on to talk about the stock market, which I suppose he is, because apparently, wait for it, rumors of the economy's recovery are premature. So I guess things are... I would agree with that. Going poorly again this week slash today slash this year. Uh, We're also going to talk to him, though, about the hot dog eating contest that happened over the weekend, Uh, because in troubled economic times, that is is a rock to which we can cling. So we're talking to Steve about the Coney Island hot dog eating contest, which happened this uh, past week on the 4th of July, because tomorrow, uh, four-time now champion Joey Chestnut will be in the studio uh, with us. And rather than just making him eat a bunch of crap, because I figure that every jackass radio show does that, where they have him on and go, hey, you eating guy, shove this in your mouth. Um... I think we should have him actually create a single hot dog for us, the way that he would eat it as sort of a, you know, as a hot dog enthusiast as opposed to a competitive eater. Too bad we can't borrow a couple of elephants from the zoo to have a real competition like they did in New York. <laughs> the uh, 
Yeah, how- hey, hey, Packy, come here. We have something for you. Was it was it just yesterday or two days ago we were talking about there was something where they had three elephants versus three humans in an eating contest? And you were horrified. Well, I just think it it's, took place. I just think it's unfair. I think that that's I, th- 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 I think there's some, there's something fundamentally off kilter uh, about the way that that contest was divided. But you know we can ask him about it. Uh, so Steve Kastenbaum will join us later on today uh, at uh, seven o'clock. We'll be talking to uh, Kitty Herschel, who is the woman we spoke with yesterday, who was charming by the way, and didn't sound as overtly crazy as I thought she might. I mean, it was sort of lurking underneath the surface. It was, you know, it was not really on the, It wasn't like an Edie McClurg-style uh, crazy. But she was at the Michael Jackson Memorial yesterday, which I, it just sort of from what I've heard, I've, I've seen a few interviews with folks who were there, and when asked what it was like in person, they all just sort of, they all just kind of glazed over and they stammered a little bit because I got the feeling that it was just so immense that there's really no way to convey it. So we'll see if that's the case for uh, for Kitty. She was, uh, but we talked to her yesterday. She was actually quite charming. Um, we will also talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. He uh, anchored the entire thing front to back uh, for CNN Radio uh, yesterday and is today. And then I and, and I would be astounded if he's on the clock tomorrow. I think after today he's probably going to go home and sleep for like eight nights. He's supposed to be on vacation this week anyway. He's not even supposed to be here today. Uh, so that's coming up, uh, and just a whole bunch of other stuff. We got another pair of tickets to see uh, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. We'll be giving those away uh, at some point today, and a three pack uh, to KUFO's Summer of Rock. That's uh, all on the horizon as well. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. Did I mention the story about the guy uh, who was naked, had diarrhea, and could not get back into his room? I believe you did. Okay. Yes. Happy Post Michael Jackson Day. Uh, that was. Ridiculous. I'm exhausted. I am too from watching that. Oh my god! I you don't really appreciate how hard it is to get through ten hours of programming in about four hours of your own time until you really have to just buckle down and do it. I will say here's when I when I reached the point of actual uh, critical fatigue is after Al Sharpton spoke. Mm-hmm. Listening to Al Sharpton is sort of like listening to I don't know. It's like listening to uh, to, 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 to Ann Coulter or Slayer. Where at the end of about five minutes, you're just going like, oh, I need a rest. You know, because it's about 45 minutes of energy from any normal person compressed into this tiny window of time. And it was done without a prompter. Now, see, I wondered about that. I looked for it. I went back. I I paused everything. And I looked. I looked. Uh, there was no prompter anywhere. See, I didn't found. see a teleprompter either. But I guess I just sort of assumed that because it was delivered so flawlessly, I figured that he had to had some sort of written guide to that. But he, So you're thinking he had it committed to memory. Yeah. We should call his cell phone number and ask him. That's why you missed a phone call from me in the middle of the afternoon yesterday, because it was when Al Sharpton was talking. And right as I'm calling you to tell you to call him, I get a text message from Nibbler saying, OMG, we need to, call, we need to call him right now. Yeah. I got a, uh, Greg, Greg sent me a text last night during Larry King. He's like, oh, I'm adding OMG on everything even when it's not there. But he's like, Al Sharpton's on Larry King. Call him now. I mean, I guess the supposition there is that Al Sharpton is a jackass who leaves his cell phone on all the time, which probably isn't the case. You'd think he'd probably turn that off. Maybe it's one of the purses of his people. It might be on vibrate. Uh, Well, let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 5.09. We may have some showers today. Highs may not hit 70, but it's going to be getting hotter toward the end of the week. Well, this is the big day in Portland, the renaming of 39th Avenue. After Cesar Chavez comes up for a vote, uh, the Oregonian is reporting that Portland City Commission members have not revealed their positions publicly. The issue has drawn public support and criticism over the past few weeks. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And yesterday, uh, Mayor Sam Adams lucked out because nobody paid any attention to the fact that his uh, recall is now underway. 
His organizers, I should say his detractors, now have 90 days to collect 32,000 signatures necessary for a recall election. If they validate the signatures, the election could occur within 35 days. I'm calling it right now. It's not going to happen. I uh, it, it, only because I think everybody is just sick of it. I think everybody yeah. is. I think everybody's so unbelievably tired of hearing about that guy uh, and and the the whole thing one way or the other. I just I think trying to get and I can't really take credit for this. Um, the uh, Anna Griffin from the Oregonian uh, made this uh, the comment to me yesterday. I was talking to her um, out in the Beaverton while I was doing a, a thing, and she said that she thinks trying to get thirty two thousand people, even for a moment, to care about something that they're probably already sick of. It's just going to be a losing proposition for those guys, but we'll uh, we'll see. A nice house burned down yesterday in the West Hills. It started around uh, 7 o'clock in the 2900 block of Northwest Luray Terrace. Uh, nobody was injured. The guy who was in the house was forced to jump out the window, but he'll be okay. Um, so I'm, I'm surfing through everything today. I have like a million sound bites and look for something interesting. Uh, this little uh, collage... Of reporters saying ridiculous things is kind of interesting. Is this my, is this regarding the Michael Jackson thing? Uh, you know, where, where people are trying to find the words to say things, and, right? And well, let's give it a listen. Harris got up there. I lost it. I, I mean, I certainly got teary-eyed. I think the tears started flowing then, and I think the tears really started flying with the Brooke Shields speech. Anyone who has dry eyes watching that. I don't know if you're human. It literally just tore your heart out. In touching moments. It literally tore your heart out. <laughs> the pinnacle. Like the Aztecs. has gone extinct. It was so moving. The mood in there was was very somber. It's, it's <laughs> really a, a somber crowd. Very somber mood. out. A solemn uh, mood. A little bit somber. Uh, definitely touched. No one was walking around. No one was using the restroom. In the, even in the women's restroom, it's total silence. It's more of a concert feeling than a funeral feeling. How uplifted everyone seems to be. It's, it, it's celebratory. What was that dress that she was wearing? Was that funeral attire? Definitely a big shift in mood here. Yes, there was a little bit too much boobage shown by Mariah, one of the performers. Mariah Carey is so tacky. And I mean, seriously, that, that was, was the, the first thing I thing. took. That is all. That was the first thing out of all my friends' mouths when we were watching it. We were just like, "Oh my god, have some tact." The sexiest funeral in there. Oh my god! And then it's like she's singing songs for the deaf with her hands <laughs> going around with every word. And she was lip syncing too. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the, the, oh that was full on. And, and badly, I might add. Very badly. But her partner who was singing wasn't. Uh, you know, he I, was singing. You know what? I, I uh, nobody knows his name though. No, his name is here. Uh, here's why I know the name of the guy who was singing with Mariah Carey because I went on to. Google this morning, and I started. Do you ever do this? You go to Google and you type in a phrase and it finishes it for you, and you realize that you're not as interesting as you thought because a thousand people that hour tried to find out the same thing on Google. I typed in who is Mariah, and then it was just like Mariah Carey singing partner with the Michael Jackson tribute. And now I've already forgotten his name, but it's not Tyrese, See? but it's a name like that. It's like Tyrone. It, 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 Tyrese it's, was there, but it's not. It's not him. It's got a he's it's got a Z in it. It's like Tyrese something or other. Um, that is the, that is the name of the guy. Uh, who sang with Mariah Carey. Um, his name was, in fact, I think I've got it bookmarked right here. Um, and I noticed Jan- Janet Jackson has arms the size of uh, Italian salamis now. Oh, no, she's, that's a thing. I go, is that her arm? She, she shouldn't turn around sideways, but probably if she tr- turned, around, turned around and faced the camera, that would have been worse. And Latoya's hat was ridiculous. Uh, her hat covered her entire body. There's Well, that's probably by design at this point. The, the Jacksons appear to be, there, well, we can continue with this Mr. Blackwell thing through the entire show. I mean, they're all like they're all like a walking uh, Dorian Gray portrait. I mean, just, there's just no getting around that fact. All right, so lots. Did you of, see Smokey Robinson? He looks like his face was stuck in the seventies. 
There's Smokey Robinson is one of those guys where it's like counting the rings in the tr- in, in a tree, but there's different sections of his body are different ages depending on what you're sort of he assessing. He has the Kenny Rogers eyes. We've got a lot to talk about. And they're not uh, allowed to close at night. <laughs> we have um, everybody stop. Okay, and uh, coming up next hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castaman. We'll talk to uh, Kitty Herschel, who was in attendance at the ceremony, and Jim Roop, who was at the Staples Center broadcasting all day from CNN. That's all on the horizon. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments, only on Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Wednesday. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up later on the day, we'll give away a three-pack to KUFO's Summer of Rock. Uh, that is tickets to Crew Fest 2, uh, which happens July 28th at Clark County Amphitheater. Tickets to Stained, Shinedown, and Chevelle, and tickets to Pedal to the Metal Tour uh, featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, and Static X. Information on all that stuff is at KUFO.com. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 523. It may see a shower or two today. It's not going to be all that hot. It may not even hit 70 degrees. So the big mystery today, you thought we were done with this, didn't you? Where is Michael Jackson's body? Many believe the pop icon would be buried at an intimate service at Forest Lawn in the Hollywood Hills yesterday, right after his public send-off. Well, it didn't happen. Instead, the spectacular gold coffin emerged after an hour-long private service, apparently bearing Jackson's remains in his glittering farewell. But the casket was not leaving the parking lot at all at Forest Lawn. Many believe Michael's body has been whisked away to a secret location. Others think the body may have been buried by the Jackson family in secret before the memorial service. Now, T, did you see that C... Hello, I'm a professional uh, enunciator. Did you see that headline on TMZ yesterday that said, Jackson's body in casket? Breaking news. It's one of those, this is the weirdest conglomeration of stories yesterday and just sort of like little blurbs of information that would come out. So TMZ made, I can't tell whether that we're progressing or regressing as, uh, as just a society when, when I see headlines like this. TMZ made a point of broadcasting the fact that Jackson's body was apparently in the casket at the Staples Center. They went out of their way to point that out because I guess there were some some rumors that it, that it wasn't. That there was like a dummy casket or that there were multiple coffins. There's the one that had gone this way and one that had gone that way and one was you know still at Forest Lawn. And they made a point of saying, no, 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 the, the casket that went to the Staples Center was like the actual, like his, you know, he, he will actually be transported there. But th- but almost immediately, somebody else, I forget who, was making the claim that that it was, in fact, some sort of diversionary tactic and that the Jackson family was going to have him buried somewhere so that his grave couldn't get all Jim Morrison. That's the way I do it. Yeah. Well, no, I, absolutely. But, to... but it makes you feel bad that Usher is singing to an empty casket. <laughs> He's touching a casket containing nothing. Exactly. That's what I thought afterwards. Well, you know, he probably wasn't told. You know, that's uh, they probably, you know, he's a method actor. So they probably let him believe that that was the case. So this casket, if it did contain Michael Jackson's body, was not seen return to Forest Lawn Cemetery last night. And it was revealed on a leaked copy of his death certificate that the mortuary is only a temporary location for the body. Sources now say the family could press ahead with plans to finally lay the store to rest at Neverland Ranch. 
Now, there are rumors that there was a helicopter swirling around there last night. But as it turned out, it belonged to one of the L.A. TV stations. And does it, it, is this a thing where they're going to be waiting for his, uh, his brain? Yes, I, that's what I thought. I, uh, because the brain's not going to be ready for at least three weeks. I mean, there's just and I wouldn't want to be buried without my brain. Well, no, because uh, the, the, no, that's a, I need it now. I need it. I need it at all times, Tim. You, you don't want to be caught unawares because don't you? And you're going through the pearly gates. You don't know which direction to head. And you could end up in the wrong spot without your brain. You, just sort of you could sta- go down instead of up. Just standing oh. there, blinking and slowly. Into Once the you sun. make the wrong call, you got to live with it for eternity. With a blank look on your face, not quite figuring out how to tie your shoes. There's so. no air conditioning here. And you got to. You got to figure that you want to be prepared for any eventuality in terms of what faith is the right one. So, I mean, as the South Park clip famously said, I'm sorry, the correct answer was Mormons. And if that turns out to be true, you got to have all your parts because God doesn't fix anything, apparently. Which always makes me feel sad for people who die in like a combine accident or something. Or, you know, if you're, you fall into some sort of uh, wood pulping machine. Because apparently you're screwed then. Once the rapture comes, Jesus, all the king's horses and all the uh, heavenly host can't put you back together again. So, no, I would wait for my brain. So I guess the deal is that regardless of whether that was his body, uh, you know, whether that was the actual casket yesterday, he's probably in, in storage somewhere until they kind of get everything done. Because as you pointed out sort of disturbingly yesterday, they got to wait for his brain to solidify before they can begin testing it. Right. Prompting Chris Paddock to ask how it is that you know so much about brains and what it takes to make them solidify. Well, I'm a quick study on brains. Well, I just said that you were a man of mystery and it was best not to press you on the brain issue where things might go badly. Well, that's good. It made the meeting shorter. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, some of the other things that went on, apparently there were no problems at all in L.A. during the Michael Jackson thing. Well, the, everyone behaved themselves or so. So we're led to believe because the LAPD, it was just like they do during the conventions where they had that thing cordoned off. I mean, I was rooting for chaos. There's just no, no getting. Weren't you like we all um, Kelsey, my uh, my mom, Heather and Nibbler and I all set times to see when some crazed fan was going to throw themselves on the casket. You mean on the way on the way out or no, during, but, like, the ceremony? during the ceremony? Oh, so. that was not. I, I can't imagine that ever would have happened. I said the security at that oh, they inside the event. Bru- they had burly brutes hidden away just about everywhere. Oh, no. You, uh, yeah, you wouldn't get three steps out of your seat before they just gave you a beating until you were dust. <sighs> I was Unless you're Russia. I was figuring, though, that there would be some sort of a ruckus out front for people who wanted to get in. People, I thought there would be some sort of a he's, you know, the, he's a singer for the people. The people demand entry. But that didn't happen because. I, I, let me put it this way. It may have happened, but it was so far away from the actual entrance to the Staples Center that there was no way it was going to get on TV anyway, which would have been like a self-perpetuating thing. So people see that there's violence or, you know, up, up, up uh, rising of some kind happening. You know, people see that there's an, uh, some sort of discord happening on television. I think the deal is you want to rush down and be part of it, depending on your mindset. But nobody would have seen that anyway because they had everything blocked off for, you know, I don't know, probably four or five hundred yards in every direction at least. I, I think this is more of a surreal national event that people were, were just kind of stuck where they were. Yeah. And people were overly excited about it because the whole thing is just so shocking. Well, that's the other thing is I think the tone ended up being much more somber than everybody mm-hmm. um, sort of anticipated. Because I guess I, I guess you think that Jackson is just such a walking circus, you know, his, his life was just so chaotic that you figure the ceremony is going to be like that. But it wasn't. It really, Mariah Carey's sort of odd garb notwithstanding, it really was, it really was just a big funeral, I mean, in terms of tone. And you couldn't move anywhere because I'm looking, at first I thought it was only the Ventura for Freeway, but no, portions of the 10, the Hollywood Freeway, the Pasadena Freeway, and the Harbor Freeway were all closed to the public during parts of the day, so nobody could have moved anyway, right. unless you want to take public transportation. Nobody does that in L.A. unless you're a murderer or a rapist. Well, I, 
<laughs> so is that when you catch like the Express 15 somewhere? And they you're exposed to commercials on buses there constantly. They have commercials running on big screen TVs in front of buses. It's really chaotic. Well, I'm wondering if they, they figured that this was costing the city so much money anyway that on the off chance that there was going to be, I, I don't know, some sort of a ruckus, they didn't want to pay for that, and that's why the LAPD were just called out in full force to make sure that nothing happened. Although, as you pointed out, it was the, I think the, the general tenor of the crowd was such that that, in retrospect, probably wasn't going to happen regardless. I, mean, I, I hate to and, say and it. And it was a, a third of the L.A. police force out. So 3,000, it, it's 9,000 in total. So yeah. that's a third of the police force. And I have to say, it's it's ruined a series of perfectly good stereotypes about Los Angeles, at least for a while, because you got to figure that that's a city that they can't go five, six days without somebody causing trouble and then everybody else just following suit, which I think is what we all expected, because every time you see any large gathering in Los Angeles, it is just like a countdown until somebody sets a garbage truck on fire. Well, plus, for another thing, people are probably lost. Nobody goes to downtown L.A. For the vast majority of crowd, that is the first time they ever heard of downtown L.A. Right. Nobody ever goes there. And so they, even if they wanted to destroy something valuable, it couldn't have been located. Right. Awesome. All right, well, let's do this. We'll get uh, caught up straight ahead. More news from Tim Riley. Next hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who will catch us up on uh, some happenings from the East Coast. We have Joey Chestnut, competitive eater, in tomorrow, by the way. So we'll talk to Steve about the Coney Island uh, contest. Coming up at 7 o'clock, our good friend Kitty Herschel, who was at the uh, memorial ceremony yesterday for Michael Jackson. We're live from Portland. On Rock 101, KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Stick a bastard in it, you crap. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Here's a fun fact, by the way. I always figured that Mom from Mom's Friendly Robot Company in Futurama was based on, what's her name, Ann Richards, who was the former governor of Texas. And I think she might be in terms of appearance. Uh, apparently, though, her personality and her general delivery, which you heard replicated by me just now in that thing where I said, stick it a bastard in it, you crap. I guess she's the personality. <laughs> Which is, and I wish I could take credit for that combination of words, but I just can't. Uh, that is what's his name, David X. Cohen from uh, from Futurama. I think wrote that line. But the personality of Mom from Mom's Friendly Robot Company on Futurama is apparently based on Gertie. What's her name? She's the she's the mom of. What is it? Columbia Sportswear that has her oh, as the, as the sort of mascot. About, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? No, I think she's the real woman. But, I, but she's the real Columbia Sports lady. I mean, she is the actual. I, I mean, she is the actual person. I don't know that she's like actually running the company in a hands-on sort of sense. But I think she is actually either the matriarch. The yeah, she's the owner, or she's like the mom of the guy who actually owns the whole place. But you see her in all that Columbia Sportswear advertising, mm-hmm. and it's her holding. You know, like some sort of rainproof parka, and it says something, you know, tough enough to, you know, stand the rain, the wind, and me. And she kind of has that weird, like, I'm going to come and kill you look on her face. And I think that they took her as the model for the character of Mom on Futurama. So the next time you see her, her just cuffing somebody around uh, on that show, you can just uh, you can think of think of that woman, uh, Gertie, I believe her name is. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. 542, good morning. Maybe some showers today. A little bit of sunshine, too. And it's not even going to be 70 degrees. So if you're tired of the hot weather from last week, well, you're in for a lucky day today. Well, here's somebody who should be waterboarded. The guy that robbed the hotel desk clerk. A man walks into a hotel and robbed the desk clerk at 2.15 in the morning. This happened at Courtyard Marriott, 1231 North Anchor Way. 
approached a desk clerk from behind, grabbed and threatened the clerk with a knife before demanding money. The man ran out of the hotel with an undisclosed amount of cash. How can you grab a desk clerk from behind? Don't you have to get behind the cab? First of all, where is Anchor Way? Yeah, I've never heard of that. Anchor Way is up by Delta Park. Where is Delta Park? As you're heading up the I-5 going into the Couve. Delta Park used to be uh, Vanport. that got swept away in the flood. Okay. And it's a baseball park. And there are a couple of hotels there. So it seems a little tricky, though, to get behind the desk clerk, because wouldn't you have to get in the front door and then somehow... I mean, maybe was he was hiding prob- behind the counter? He he may have been doing, like, schoolwork behind the counter or something and not watching. Uh, that's true. And I guess if the guy sort of... Cra- I guess if you came in and you were kind of ducking down, you wouldn't necessarily see the guy sort of skulking along mm-hmm. by the floor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I hope they catch this guy. So he didn't, but he didn't harm the guy. He just came up. I mean, no. Obviously, that's going to freak you out. That's going to be because you got robbed, right? You were a desk same thing. At a hotel, same thing. Was Robbed it at the same time? Was it a guy with a knife? Yes, it was. Ugh. I get out of the way. I said, "Take it all." <laughs> I don't care. I, I have no personal care. investment. Take right. everything. That's the first thing they told me when I uh, when I was working at it was a Seven Eleven late at night, and the guy who trained me because the manager and the guy who trains you they always they're never the same person. They all have two very different takes on the situation. The manager had a lot of like, "There's a baseball bat behind the counter. You should fight for every nickel. Don't let them get away with my precious money." And the guy who trained me, he's like, "F that." This like guy comes in, even says he has a weapon. Just leave. He's like, "Just tell him like, hey, the store is yours, pal. Get in the car and go home." <laughs> That's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I would do. So I still kept the T-shirts I had when I worked at that hotel as a punishment to them. I would say for leaving me vulnerable, (laughs) (laughs) for leaving you naked and exposed to such a threat. I would imagine that's the least that they ought to give you, Tim. And then the the people who managed this hotel lived at the scene, and I called them, and it took them an hour to come over. And well, they wanted to make sure that it was safe first. I know. I mean, what's the wait? I'm going to go on there now. There's apparently a burglar. And two weeks later, I moved to Oregon. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> so do I have that burglar to thank for your presence here? Yes, you do. Excellent. Thank that, you. That was the, the, the turning point. Whoever you That's are. It. You know what? My life is much more valuable <laughs> than to be standing overnight to killers. Anyway. Just stabbed in the neck in Van Nuys. Today's yeah. lesson, whitening without chlorine bleach. But don't we need I'm sorry? to remove stains? Where that's was your, that coming that's from? Your computer. I'm not touching anything. I thought we were How removing stubborn stains. This, even whites, it means do not bleach. <laughs> that's from you. Okay, well, where the hell is that coming from? Hold on a second. I'm minimizing my, uh, I'm, I'm looking at all the windows I have open. I have. It's still playing. I'm just trying to figure out from where it's coming. Okay, I have my my mailbox open, but there's no ads there. I have the Google, the Google Trends page open. Nothing there. It just restarted. <laughs> Do you ever look at Google Trends and you can't figure out why certain things are on there? Such as this. Uh, here's the number 20 search term on Google right now at this very moment. Sexually insatiable. Uh, all right. I'm looking at a photo of Mariah Carey. And I'm looking at this. And I'm, I'm looking at it. Oh, you know, here's a banner ad from a Pakistani newspaper. All right. I should have figured <laughs> it, it would be something toothpaste? like that. All right. Close and done. Still playing? Nope. All right. There we go. Well, George Allen, the Republican senator from Virginia, who thought he would be president before hurling a, a French uh, racial remark at that guy. Remember the macaca thing? I do remember that. I think I actually have the excerpt from that somewhere. I'll see if I can dig it up. So anyway, it ruined his presidential chances, probably forever. Now he's coming out with a new book. It's called The Triumph of Character. This is the guy who, this is the, who is he describing with this when he used that word? I believe it was a fellow in the audience. But it was, and he used the word, let me just see if I can reconstruct this. 
He was speaking about a guy in the audience, and he used the phrase. It was a macaque, which is that we found Macaca. that was a. But that's a. But that is. A, but what is Isn't that? A bird? It, it is a French for monkey. Right. That's which is okay. used by white Tunisians to refer to local black folks. Okay, that was the phrase he. Oh. Then, but then he sort of. But he kind of plagued ignorance. Plagued ignorance on the whole thing. He goes, right. "I had no idea." Mm. Which is, I think, it's one thing if you can say you've never heard the word before, which I don't think any of us had. I certainly hadn't. I think it's another if you if you use the word and then if you somehow know the word. And then presumably you know what it means, uh, which it then follows that you would not be using it to describe a guy in the audience. So. It was also the triumph of YouTube. It was one of the first the YouTube scandals. Hey, do you have the story? Two Mexican midget wrestlers killed by fake prostitutes? I'd know that if I had that. I would say no. <laughs> that would kind of stick out, I think. <laughs> okay. I put that right between Trent Reznor and Joyce DeWitt, so we'll get to all. There's a huge stack of stuff that we have not gotten to oh, because of Michael Jackson. Oh, the guy that Jackson. plays Squiggy got arrested, too. Wait, Squiggy. Uh, that's, not, that's not Michael McKeon. That's the other guy who I think we were supposed to interview about six months ago, and then he overslept and never called us. Well, he got arrested for DUI, so that was probably the reason. It's a lot of it's a lot of DUI going on. Boy, that Joyce DeWitt mug photo looks bad, though. That mugshot of her. Uh-huh. Chris Neven sent me a text message. He's like, and all he didn't even say the DUI. I didn't even know why he was texting me this. He just said Joyce DeWitt is sixty-one for the love of God. Mm-hmm. And I immediately went online from my phone and I went to TMZ, figuring if something. I thought she was dead. That was my deal. I figured that she was dead because Michael Jackson was, you know, such a huge story. I figured this is the time for all of the unfortunate celebrities to pass away and not be noticed. Yeah. Well, so, all the 70s celebrities are now in their 60s. So I thought that Joyce DeWitt had probably just snuffed it and that it was going to be, you know, a, a secondary tragedy in the sense that she wasn't going to have any attention paid to her death. So I went online and sure enough, she'd just been busted for DUI. Boy, you want to talk about somebody who's like, she looks like she ought to be playing Liza Minnelli in some uh, dinner theater circuit, uh, like in, in, in the Rust Belt somewhere. It's a bad look for her. So don't do drugs or drink. Like the Flint Palace of Arts (laughs) featuring Joyce DeWitt (laughs) doing Shakespeare. Stay away from booze and cameras. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, New York Congressman Peter King absolutely opposes a stamp commemorating the King of Pop. A Long Island Republican said people should not be canonizing someone like Michael Jackson. Recently, Al Sharpton suggested that the stamp could be issued to honor Michael Jackson. This is now called a stamp flap. The stamp flap comes after King posted a two-minute video on YouTube Sunday calling Jackson a pervert, a child molester, and a lowlife. He claimed the media was glorifying an entertainer while discounting the heroic efforts of military veterans, police, firefighters, and teachers. Hmm. Well, all right, then. I think also it's a non-issue because you have to be dead for 10 years for they'll do a stamp for you. I think that's the, if you are, hey, here's a fun fact. Do you know that uh, that they, although I think they must have relaxed because they don't have Simpsons stamps now? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, yeah, all kinds of stuff. For the longest time, they pushed to have a Santa Claus stamp. And the post office always resisted on the grounds that you can only do a stamp of a person if they're dead. And they didn't want to send the message to children that Santa Claus had been dead for a decade. But I think they must have changed that now if they're doing Simpsons stamps. They must do flat-out fictional characters on stamps at this point. But I think the yeah, thi- I think you can just get about anything on a stamp. They, they, I mean, that must be like a revenue-increasing thing because for the longest time they were, they were real uh, – they have these really tough sort of um, um, restrictions on what would be put on the stamp and who could be put on the stamp. But I think for Jackson, I think the soonest he could be put on the stamp is 2019. So, oh, correction. There was Carmine Ragusa from Laverne and Shirley who's been busted. Wait, who Vegas. is that? The big ragu, Carmine Ragusa on Laverne oh, and Shirley. Oh, right. Okay. You know, can I just tell you that I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen an episode of Laverne and Shirley all the way through for probably 20 years. 
I mean, I can't remember the last time. I mean, because I don't really. That's that is a genre of sitcom that I just have no desire to rewatch. There are certain things that hold up, and there are certain things that don't, and that falls squarely into the don't category, in my opinion. Here's the only time I watched uh, Laverne and Shirley. The la- when I went to Wisconsin, uh, I don't know, maybe ten years or so ago. God, is it? Been- is that the lead into their evening news? <laughs> There's just instead of Oprah, it's I has it been 11 years that I've been in Portland oh, for the love? Yes, of God, we've all been here 11 years. The, so when I went to Wisconsin to audition for a job that they uh, did not give me, I went there and that is where they filmed large sections of Laverne and Shirley. And that is where the um, the shots beer company, which is where Laverne and Shirley worked. The shots beer company is actually the Schlitz Brewing Company, which was right across the street from my hotel. Oh, so Schlitz I, is delicious. I got to stare right out the window at the <laughs> Laverne and Shirley uh, Beer Company, and so I went home and I—I uh, I don't—I think it was before YouTube, but I think I went home and I looked up like some 700 meg video clip of Laverne and Shirley because I didn't have cable at the time, uh, because I wanted to sort of see the factory after having seen it in real life. I think that's the last time. So not the guy who played Squiggy, not the guy who played Lenny. Right. All right. Duly noted. Straight ahead, Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City. We'll talk about Joey Chestnut, four-time eating champion, who will join us in the studio tomorrow, by the way. Also, just confirmed, and tell you that Friday on The Rick Emerson Show, we will be speaking to none other than Joey Kramer, drummer for Aerosmith. Tim Riley cool. is impressed and amazed. Straight ahead, more of The Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. And good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up this hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will give us the uh, delayed but uh, still fascinating recap of the uh, 4th of July hot dog eating contest, which Joey Chestnut was uh, the champion, I think, four, four years in a row, fourth year running. So he'll be in the studio with us tomorrow morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow morning, he'll be uh, joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. And on Friday, Aerosmith drummer uh, Joey Kramer, whose new book, Hit Hard, uh, is out in hardcover as of now. That is so, so that's cool. Awesome. And here's the thing, and here, here's why I'm excited about Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. A, because he's Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. B, he's the first guy from Aerosmith to write a book. Uh, the only other thing that sort of exists as an Aerosmith um, uh, the book is a book called Walk This Way by Stephen Davis, which is just kind of an oral history of the band. It's not really, I mean, it has some interviews with folks, but it's, it's not really written by anybody in the group. So he's the first guy from that band, inexplicably, because I was figured it would be Stephen Tyler who did that. Uh, but maybe that's sort of a waiting to back cleanup kind of a thing. Anyway, so, so he's got a book out, and I'm going to be able to ask him, I have this long-standing Aerosmith question that I know that I've, I've mentioned to you guys multiple times, and it's a question about the lyrics to Walk This Way. And it's like, and, and, and I don't really have access to Steven Tyler at the moment. I've I've not become rich and powerful enough that I can have him just brought to me to answer a question, sort of uh, like in my in my court. Um, so I'm going to ask Joey Kramer this question. I have the three great lyrical mysteries uh, in rock to me. One of them is uh, California Girls. And so I have this whole thing about California girls about whether is is like when Brian Wilson lists off all of these these girls that exist, is it that A, he is saying that he wishes all those different girls could be in California at once so that he wouldn't have to travel the whole world for them? When he says, you know, because he talks about the because he talks about southern girls and northern girls and the east coast girls, and I think I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Murray would let him drive that far. <laughs> He's just busy, uh, busy beating him with a two by four. Brian, you'll get girls later. Bend over. 
Um, so, uh, when, but when he lists off all the girls and he says, I wish they all could be California girls, is he A, saying that he wishes they could all reside within the state of California so that he was like one-stop shopping so he doesn't have to go all over the world for them? Or is he saying that the girls in California are so great that however great these other women may be, he wishes, though, that all the women in the world could be like the ones in California? I would think the latter. See, that's what Lara says, too, but I really don't know. I just, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, of, I'm of two minds about it. I just, I can't kind of wrap my brain around it. There's another, there's a Rolling Stones song that has sort of a similar uh, bit of lyrical vagueness that I'm curious about. But my thing with Aerosmith is this. It's in Walk This Way when Steven Tyler says, I was a high school loser, never made it with a lady till the boys told me something I missed. Then my next door neighbor with a daughter had a favor and I gave her just a little kiss like this. So the thing that has bothered me since I was like 16 is, and maybe Greg has thoughts on this. When he says, my next-door neighbor with a daughter had a favor, and he gave her just a little kiss like this, is it the next-door neighbor who had the favor, or the daughter, or both? Wait, say it one more time. Um, but till my next-door neighbor with a daughter had a favor, and I gave her just a little kiss like this. So who had the favor? The next-door neighbor, or the neighbor's daughter, or both? Now, knowing that, you know, I mean, it is Steven Tyler, so it could be both. It's not like that's out of the question. But I don't know. And I have no access to Steven Tyler, but of all the guys in the band, Joey Kramer knows Steven Tyler the best, even better than Joe Perry, because uh, Kramer and uh, Tyler went to school together. They've known each other since they were like 12. So if anybody outside of Steven Tyler is going to know the answer, it will be Joey Kramer. And I'm going to ask him this Friday. And then even the, here's the thing, even if he doesn't know, at least I'll know that I gave it the old college try trying mm-hmm. to get that answer. You got as close as you could. I realize. I'm having... so glad I don't live in your head. <laughs> Seriously? Well, there's only room for the five of us in here, Sarah. Uh, Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on your Friday morning. Uh, Friday morning. I'm already thinking ahead of the Aerosmith thing. On your Wednesday morning. A man is forced to jump out a window after his stylish West Hills home burns. Natural gas customers will reportedly see lower bills. We'll That's wait and see if that happens. Happen. Sarah Palin takes the reporters fishing. Okay. Fishing with, with an apostrophe at the end. Uh, just a couple brief uh, news stories, then we'll uh, take a break and we'll get uh, caught up on the other side of this. Under uh, the oh, heading... God, is this the... I'm sorry? Is this the one you were talking about earlier? Oh, no, no, the diarrhea. No, we'll get to that. Okay. Under the heading of things that are apparently underway that I didn't know about, I didn't know that Nine Inch Nails were retiring. Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor. First of all, I didn't know that they were retiring. Second of all, I didn't know the retirement was supposed to have already happened, but now it's been delayed a bit. Hmm. Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor has announced that the band will play a series of live shows in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles to mark their final ever gigs. He said the band will headline the Virgin Festival in Toronto, Canada this year. Now, apparently, because that uh, the uh, the Bonnaroo Festival, which was in Tennessee last month, I guess that was supposed to have been their farewell show, like the last thing they were ever going to be. Up. See, that's the thing. I had no idea, but apparently they were supposed to have busted up last month. But he decided that sort of a festival tour was not the way to go out. He wanted to do kind of a series of... of uh, well, that's a bummer. I've never seen them, and I've always wanted to. Here's, uh, here's the thing about Nine Inch Nails to me, is that I feel like I'm supposed to be way more into that band than I really... And I have nothing against Nine Inch Nails. I really don't. Uh, the Downward Spiral was, is, a, is a really, really great uh, record to me. And I don't mean to be the guy clinging onto something they did 15 years ago. It was like the definitive work. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying to me... That's the most interesting thing that the guy ever put out was the Downward Spiral. And Pretty Hate Machine had its moments, and the subsequent albums had, uh, had I guess, sort of bright spots. I swear to God, in my car right now, I was listening to on tape Nine Inch Nails on my drive to work this really? morning. Really? What were you listening to? Um, I can't remember. My friend made me a mixtape, so it's a song on there. But I just, I don't know. I feel like 
I feel like I'm supposed to be disproportionately into Nine Inch Nails because they have, because they seem to be really big with geeks. First of all, I mean, just geeks in general really seem uh, to glom onto the to Trent Reznor. I think it's because he has that because he's positioned himself even better than Radiohead as sort of uh, the entertainment maven of the internet, the sort of the, you know the, the, like the rock musician who is embracing the World Wide Web in its fullest form. Anyway, I wonder if the Nine Inch Nails are converted to centimeters for Canadians. <laughs> I'm going to write that down so we can use it again later. Hold on. Conversion to centimeters. All right. Uh, and finally this. Mexican authorities say two professional wrestlers found dead in a low-rent hotel in the capital may have been drugged to death by female robbers. Autopsies are being performed on two midget wrestlers, one of whom went by the name La Paquita, which, stand, which means, Sarah, what? Little death. And wore a skeleton costume in the ring. The other was known as Espatrito Jr., Authorities say two women were seen leaving the men's hotel room before the bodies. Who plans to kill midget Mexican wrestlers? That seems a little weird. Hey, Tanisha, I know what we should do tonight. Don't you know those it's Mexican to be hookers midget, midget wrestlers? That's it. They're not even real hookers. Prosecutor uh, Miguel Angel Mancera said Wednesday that gangs of female robbers are experienced at using drugs to knock men out and rob them, but they may have to uh, use too strong a dose. They say that the robbers may have posed as prostitutes, drugged the wrestlers, took their possessions, but not realized that they inadvertently killed the men with an overdose. That may have been because the wrestlers' small stature, although larger men have also died in similar crimes. So there you go. Once again, that headline, two Mexican midget wrestlers killed by fake prostitutes. Hmm. I'm not surprised. Life in Mexico City. Straight ahead, we'll uh, talk to Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio in New York City, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up at 7 o'clock, talk to Kitty Herschel, who was in attendance at the Michael Jackson ceremony yesterday. Jim Roop from CNN and your personal savior, Tim Riley, uh, with more news this hour. Plus, sometime before 7 o'clock, your chance at winning a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Stay right there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Our phone lines are open. <laughs> Caller 10 gets my seed. The Rick Emerson Show returns. That's a, that's a job for a photo editor, I would imagine. <laughs> To bring your attention to the cover of today's Oregonian, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and this is just entirely separate from the content of the story. Uh, it's a story about a, a guy named uh, Matt Lemke, uh, who's from Tualatin, and he went to Afghanistan. And he's been injured in Afghanistan and so forth. But on the, uh, it really is, a, it really is, a, is, is quite a great article. But if you look at the front of today's Oregonian, there is a picture of uh, of Matt, and he's posing with these two kids uh, in Afghanistan. And the kids uh, are doing what looks very much like flipping off the camera, uh, sort of rest of the world style. They're doing that backward V thing that you see Liam Gallagher doing all the oh, time. Oh, they're becoming Americanized. That's right, Tim. So they're uh, expressing their personalities in an edgy fashion, uh, befitting a people to whom liberty has been given. Oh, there you go. It's 503-228-4101. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Wednesday morning? Well, Michael Jackson danced in his dermatologist's office days before his death. Where is Michael Jackson's body? Nobody's sure, but he wasn't buried at Forest Lawn. 
We also understand there was another candlelight vigil at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why was he dancing at his dermatologist's office? You'll Never mind. Find out later. Never mind. I get the feeling that Michael Jackson is like one of those dancing Santa dolls or something. They were just the minute there's music, he just begin you know, to hear gears grinding away and just. Uh, apparently, dermatologist is appearing on uh, Good Morning America. And I'm looking at the rest of the schedule at Good Morning America. It says, Heidi Klum, America's Best Sandwich. <laughs> that's, only when, uh, that's only when Matt Lauer uh, is there along with the dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? I am uh, I'm fantastic, my friend. Did you, have a, you had a few days off, it sounds like. You were uh, catching up on some much-needed rest. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know I have to recover from the uh, the great hot dog eating contest. I'm so glad that you that you read right between the lines here because I said earlier that uh, we told CNN you were coming on to talk about the stock market and the uh, sort of non recovery the economy appears to be in at the moment, and that's certainly true. But we'll end in a moment by talking about the hot dog eating contest because a you were there, b this is America, c nothing says America more like eating pounds and pounds and pounds of food that you're not really stopping to savor and enjoy, and d we're going to have Joey Chestnut in the studio tomorrow. So you're going to have him there. Tomorrow. Oh, can I come on when he's on, when he's in the studio tomorrow? Is that Ab- possible? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, when, we're, when we're at the end of this, we'll kind of figure, we'll coordinate uh, how to make that happen. So we'll Great. we'll put that out at the end as the pleasant dessert to take the taste of the following story off our palate. Let's talk about the economy. It says here that talk of an economic uh, recovery, which by the way, that talk never never emanated from this studio because we always assume that things are just going to get worse and worse. Um, it says that that talk may have been premature. So who was it that was saying that things were that it was like a new day in America? Oh, well, a lot of people have been saying that we're starting to see, uh, what do they call them, green shoots, you know, as, as sure. you know, plants emerging from the dark soil. Uh, Are you doing beat poetry or something over there? Is I, I guess that's what we're doing th- now. We're, we're, we're trying to find different ways of saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, there, were, there have been some encouraging signs, but the market dropped yesterday uh, 161 points, so... Uh, there is some feeling that the stock market may have been uh, ahead of the curve here, uh, and uh, you know the uh, end of the recession may be a little bit further off than uh, expected or, or realized. Well, I think they were saying this is back when the auto industry was first saying, "Hey, we might have a few problems happening over here." Someone had made the uh, had made the statement that it was going to take. They were going to have to start selling. I was some it was something insane. It was like five million cars a year or something. But it, even at that rate, it was going to take the auto industry until 2012 to even break even. Uh, and I apologize for using even twice in a row there. But it was, you know, to, just to get up to the break even point, it was going to take the auto industry 5 million cars a year until 2012. And that right there is sort of a, that is a canary in the economic uh, coal mine, if anything is. It would just let you know that this is, I mean, it doesn't get broken overnight, doesn't get fixed overnight. So, uh, yeah, I would distrust anybody who said that things were, that things were going to be bright and shiny as of tomorrow. That's yeah, but um, you know, there are some other things that are affecting uh, uh, Wall Street, uh, and I'm wondering, would, are you a PC user or do you use an Apple, by the way? Uh, I have recently transitioned to a MacBook. I have been a PC ah. user for my whole life. I actually just got my first uh, Mac last December. Well, if you were still on a PC and Google was offering uh, a new operating system in, uh, to compete with Microsoft, would you go away from the familiar and try Google's operating system? I would buy Google anything tomorrow without thinking about it twice. Uh, here's the here's the and in fact the only reason I don't have that Google phone, uh, the the you know the G phone, is because it doesn't uh, CBS opts not to not to support that. They don't support anything but the BlackBerry in terms of corporate email. Same reason I don't have an iPhone. Um, if I could get my corporate you know my CBS mail on an iPhone on a on a G phone on a whatever, I would absolutely have one of those. And uh, so I not that I don't love my BlackBerry, I do. But the reason. 
reason that I initially went to the BlackBerry instead of one of the other phones is because I wanted to be able to get um, mail from from CBS and I wanted to get it pushed there. That being said, Google has my I am unreservedly in favor of whatever they want to do, whatever they want to manufacture. And I think you and I talked about speaking of the auto industry, the fact that Google ought to just announce that they're going to make a car. There ought to just be a G car. And you know what? I would sign up for that right now. However, if I had to put 25 percent down today. I would do that. If you told me that Google was, was – because if you figure – if you figure some company is going to be able to make the car of tomorrow, something that runs more efficiently, it runs cleaner, it gets more miles to the gallon, or maybe it uses some non-petrol uh, solution uh, altogether, if any company on earth is going to be able to make that happen, you got to figure it's Google. If for no other reason, then they've got this brain trust there. I mean – just the cubic density of uh, of intelligence that is located at the, at the Googleplex probably cannot even be calculated at this point. There's so many brainiacs, uh, you know, in the, at that joint. So, no, I'd, uh, I'll buy anything they do. They seem to come up with a lot of good stuff. Well, they're going to be releasing uh, Google Chrome as an operating system uh, in mid-2010. It'll be available uh, on netbooks, you know, those really small yeah. laptops that are basically just there. I got one of those recently as, as a gift. Those uh, the netbooks are kind of amazing. They for the longest time they said that they you know a computer that was that small wasn't really ever going to be usable that they wouldn't be able to pack enough stuff into it to make it operate the way you need it to. But I know somebody who just got a netbook about six weeks ago and they're very happy with it. And Google Chrome is not a perfect uh, browser, but it actually works fairly well. And the idea that Google is going to release an operating system. Google, I'll tell you this, as much as Google's corporate motto, and I'm not making this up, their corporate motto is, don't be evil. And as Pollyanna as that sort of sounds, those guys really know how to do the five-finger death punch at an opponent when they want to. And the fact that they're releasing something that directly competes with Microsoft Windows, which everyone despises, I mean, there's nobody at this point who uses Microsoft Windows because they really like it. Nobody fires up their Windows PC. I can't wait for another satisfying day of using Windows. Mm. No one does that. And so Google really is, they're right on the money with this. Well, we'll see what happens. The, the, the stock yesterday went down about three points, but it's really not clear if that was because of the, the Google Chrome announcement or not. But uh, that, that's what their plans are. It just seems like if you were to take any other item that you own, any other consumer device, and if you were to have it manufactured by Microsoft... What, I mean, like your toaster oven, it just, your toaster oven two or three times a day would just stop working and you'd have to unplug it and let it sit for 30 seconds and then plug it back in and maybe it would toast the bread correctly and maybe the bread would just burst into flames. There'd be no way of knowing. I want a Google food processor. I, if you read, uh, there's a book called, um, it is called the, it's not the Google way. There's a book called the Microsoft way and there's a book called the Google method or the Google the Google system and the Google Outlook, something or other. But it's, it's a book about the sort of the corporate philosophy that that company has and how they operate. And it does seem like it does seem like we are, and once, just as we transition from the agricultural age to the industrial age, it seems like we are leaving the Microsoft age and we are entering the Google age as of about uh, now. So I will be looking forward to that operating, operating system with, uh, with great anticipation. Uh, let's talk about our friend Joey Chestnut. So you were there on the 4th of July. Yeah. He won, what, this is the fourth time in a row? This guy, third time in a row, uh, he predicted a, a record, and he's not one to normally predict uh, outcomes of these uh, competitions, but he ate 68 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That's two more than what was his record for 12 minutes of 66. So he really was training hard to surpass everything else he's done in the past uh, for this this year's uh, annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, the 94th, by the way. And Kobayashi was training hard, too, but 
Kobayashi could only down 64 and a half. And I asked Joey Chestnut, where's the limit? When does this stop? Right. And he said he doesn't think, uh, you know, it's feasible to go beyond 70. Yeah, but see, this is what they said about the four-minute mile at one point. They said there was no way that that could be broken, and yet... And here's the weird thing, psychologically speaking. Once people pass a certain benchmark like that, then it becomes much easier for everybody else to do it. I think it was... I forget how long it was, but there was this speculation about the four-minute mile and whether or not a man could run a mile in under uh, 240 seconds, and they just said it couldn't be done for a long time. Then in 19-whatever, some guy broke the four-minute mile... And I know that within 18 months of that guy breaking the four-minute mile, three other guys had done it. Um, so I think that once people realize something is achievable, I, I say about competitive eating as though it's like a gold medal Olympic event, which it probably will be at some point. Um, but it does seem like the psychological edge, because, look, here's the thing. You've you got to figure that if you're running a four-minute mile, what's the worst that could happen? You're going to sprain your leg, you know, you mess up a ligament or something? You're eating 75 hot dogs all at once. I mean, there is the possibility that you could just go all creosote and the side of your stomach blows out, and that's not going to be good. Well, you can choke. That's that's the biggest uh, risk that you're taking when you're when you're in one of these contests. Do they have a guy standing by with some sort of a vacu-suck thing that will they can just jam into your throat to get the bits of hot dog out if you start to... Uh, have trouble breathing? They have EMTs, and here's my question. So, uh, you know, there's a huge audience in front of the stage uh, uh, where the table's set up where these guys are, are competing. Do you want to be sitting or standing in that first row if they've got to perform the Heimlich maneuver on no. one of these guys? No, I do not. That's uh, that's going to end up like a lot of Lardass Hogan in uh, Stand By Me is what that exactly. is. Hey, so, uh, by the way, I just realized that tonight on the Bio channel, I don't know if you get the Bio channel, but they're going to have a a thing on tonight called uh, I'm a Major League Eater. Maybe it's required viewing before you have Joey Chestnut on. I was just going to ask if there's anything in particular you think I should uh, I should query him about when he's in the studio. So this will be tomorrow around uh, 11 o'clock New York time. I would I would set your TiVo if it's uh, too late for you, but because um, it looks like it's on at 11 o'clock uh, your time. All right. But, um, yeah, I'm a Major League Eater. That's what I would... I don't know. Uh, Joey, um, he's really uh, adopted this uh, this role of being the great American hero. So I'm wondering, um, I don't know, is it, is it going to his head? That might be a good question. He seemed like a pretty grounded guy when we talked to him last year. I think it was last July 7th or something. Yeah, was he the, was really cool. He, it was, he seemed very, very, uh, I mean, for a guy that, I, let me ask you, here's a question, because I probably can't ask him this in a very direct way without looking rude. How much money does that guy make? I think the prize for the Nathan's hot dog eating contest was $10,000. So, so he does a lot of hot dog eating contests around, around the country and around the world now. And does he do endorsements and stuff, too? I mean, does he endorse products? Can he, can he fund the rest of his life being the guy who eats a lot of hot dogs? I read one article that, that thought uh, the writer thought he made $150,000 last year at winning all these first prizes at different competitions. I don't know if he made that much. But he can certainly rack up the bucks, you know. I mean, he's in, he's in college again. Uh, he's, he went back to school to get a degree in civil engineering, so that takes up a lot of time. I'm not sure he can be making that much money. But he certainly is raking in the bucks every time he uh, wins another contest if the, if the prizes are, are like the one in the Nathan's contest. Excellent. All right, well, yeah, that'll be at uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow. So I don't know. I, wanna, I know that you and, uh, you and Sarah can probably coordinate sort of how to, yeah. how to make that happen. And do you have any audio from um, you judging the contest or being oh, at the yeah. contest? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe so. Maybe tomorrow we'll have you come on. Maybe the hour preceding that, and we'll have uh, some audio from the actual Fourth of July Nathan's hot dog eating contest, and then we'll talk to him tomorrow at the eight in the eight o'clock hour. Excellent. That's All right. Good to me. I'd like that. All right, my friend. Have a fantastic day.
Take care. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. That was the know. best story he did last year. Excellent. With his yelling and freaking out. Don't you remember him screaming at the top of his lungs? Just going nuts about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of eating, straight ahead we have a sad American snuff watch. Oh. So, uh, more news from Tim Riley coming up at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to Kitty Herschel, who was in attendance at the Michael Jackson Memorial yesterday at 8.40. Jim Roop, who was there anchoring the whole thing wall-to-wall for uh, CNN Radio. We'll have uh, more sound from that, and we'll uh, talk about Mariah Carey's bosoms that were on display. We're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. What's next? Are people going to start having sex with ducks? When can that start? Indeed, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 520-51. Coming up next hour, we have uh, Kitty Herschel, who was in attendance at the Michael Jackson Memorial Ceremony yesterday. And at 840, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, who was there for the uh, the entire thing. Still to come, also... I mean, the the amount of stuff we haven't gotten to uh, over the last few days. We have, I think, a penis watch. We have a double geek watch. I've been just throwing it away. I can't keep up with it. (laughs) Hold on. Let me file this. (laughs) Right. There's some soft peat moss. Uh, And then I I should finally read this. Let me just get this one story out of the way. I've teased this long enough. This comes to us. uh, I hope it's interesting. Is this the squirty one? This comes to us from uh, The Sun, the world's finest newspaper. This is from, uh, let's see, this is from earlier this morning. Uh, This is from Britain. Disgraced rugby league star Nato Miles says the bizarre incident in which he defecated in a hotel corridor was an accident. The Sydney, where are you at in your, even look, even as a rugby player, where are you at in your life when you have to clarify that that sort of a thing wasn't intentional? The Sydney Rooster in Queensland state of origin player said he was suffering a, I'm sorry, suffering a, quote, stomach bug at the time of the embarrassing incident and and, uh, ended up in the corridor rather than the toilet after mistaking, wait for it, the door to his room for the toilet door. The Sun reports, Miles 24 been out with fellow Roosters player Mitchell Pierce. Willie Mason and Mark Maley had also been at a junior league fundraiser in Terrigal and returned to the Crown Plaza Hotel at around 4 a.m., I've been asleep for about four hours when I got up to use the bathroom, Miles told the son. It was dark. I was a bit dazed. The door to the toilet was right next to the entry door, and I went through the wrong one. <laughs> That's probably one of those one-star hotels. This is, I suppose it's an honest mistake. This is like one of those stories where the guy whizzes right into the closet because he thinks, it's, you know, because he thinks he's gone into the lavatory. So he thinks he's going into the bathroom. He really is wandering, yes, out into the hallway of the hotel. The door shut behind me, and I said, oh, God. <laughs> the rooster forward said he was naked, had diarrhea, and could not get back into his room. Instead, That's he tried. kind of bad for him. In fact, look at this guy, too, because he's huge. He looks like Merlin Olsen. He's so just, it must have been quite a mess. He's just this big, well, we'll read on to find out. He's just a, he's a big, burly-looking bastard. He tried to gain entry into a nearby hotel room where a family was staying, but they refused to let him in. Who could blame them? Imagine really? you hear a pounding on your door at 4 a.m. You look outside and it's a massive I'm rugby player who is naked 
Is it, and I would imagine drunk. That's just, I mean, just say what we're all thinking. I'm figuring he's hungover to the, to, to, to the nth degree. This is a massive hungover naked rugby player demanding to poo in your hotel room. You don't open that door. You don't open that door for any reason. Instead, he tried to gain entry into a nearby hotel room where a family was staying, but they refused to let him in. I just asked if I could use their toilet, Miles told the son. <laughs> he was later found disoriented in the hotel's fire escape. Miles, who has repeatedly apologized for the incident, offered to pay the hotel bill, uh, hotel's cleaning bill and has contacted other guests to apologize. He has been suspended for six weeks. There you go. Once again, the key phrase here. The Roosters forward said he was naked, had diarrhea, and could not get back into his room. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Got Riley. Got to use your toilet! Hello, everybody. It is 646. There may be a shower or two today. High temperatures will not hit 70. Now I'm trying to find an appropriate story after something like that. There's no way to follow that, Tim. Well, let's talk about Michael Jackson's longtime friend and dermatologist, Dr. Arnie Klein. On Good Morning America moments ago, shooting down accusations that he prescribed medication that could kill Michael and rumors that he's the baby daddy. Now, in responding to the rumors, his ominous answer was, quote, to the best of my knowledge, I am not the father. To the best of my knowledge. <laughs> Is that the sort of thing you'd be aware of? Is that limited knowledge? What type of knowledge is involved? To so, the best of my... Was he being sarcastic? I don't know. Let's listen to this soundbite. Always was concerned about him because I always was worried about other doctors. But here's the problem with Michael. No matter what he wanted, someone would give it to him. Your name has arisen as one of five doctors who gave him prescription No, I'm not one of the five doctors. I'm not one of the five doctors. I've not been... In, I've not been examined by anyone, okay? I've not been contacted by the police in Los Angeles. So I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not one of the doctors. So that report is completely I was his doctor. untrue. I've given him medication, yes. But you could take all the medication I gave him in a year right now and nothing would happen to you, okay? And so to you, the doctors you suspect are complicit in the addiction of someone yes, like Michael Jackson, absolutely. what do you say? Well, I say they're criminals. I say that anyone who makes someone an addict or gives person potentially dangerous substances directly to them to use, like propofol, is a criminal. It becomes nothing more than a manslaughter or something worse than that. So this is the most loving human being that I, I grieve immensely for his loss in my life. There was even one report that you were the biological father of the children. Okay, you know here we go. the best of my knowledge, best of, all I can tell you is best of my knowledge, I'm not the father of these children. Uh, that's to the best weird, of my knowledge. That's a weird statement, and it doesn't sound like overt sarcasm yeah. either. So does that mean Man, that he... if he is, these are going to be some ugly kids. <laughs> well, it's not like... Look, Debbie Rowe is the mother, so it's... Oh, that's, that is true. Oh, no, but it wasn't her DNA, remember? I, but see, but that's, only, but that's only been claimed by TMZ. She still insists that she is the biological mother, not the birth mother, which I think is a distinction. I think that's a... And I don't think I'm just making that up in my head. I think there's the biological mother and the birth mother, which are two different things. So I think you could be the birth mother, but not the biological mother, if you're, like, carrying... If you're, like, a surrogate mom or something or whatever. Like, if they stick somebody else's baby in you to... Yeah. I don't know. To, to, no, don't to, say to, stick somebody else's baby. You know, to incubate or whatever it does. Um, it, to grow inside you, Sarah, as a, as a you know, representation of love. Um, <laughs> I think that, that Debbie Rowe, though, has said flat out that, like, she is the mom. That she's the mom in every, in every sense well, of the word. Well, those kids are really cute, though, and they don't look like a 
like her at all. They don't look like Give her. Give a couple of years, though. I was going to say, but a lot of times those, how many times have you seen a cute kid in the commercial, like Haley Joel Osment, we're looking at you. Uh, kid starts out cute, ends up looking real bad. Also, uh, Macaulay Culkin. Is there a buzzing sound coming from somewhere? I do hear a buzzing sound. Sounds like somebody's buzzing. using an electric razor somewhere in the background. It's not that bad. And it's gone. All right. Oh, by the way, this uh, dermatologist said Michael Jackson danced in his office days before his death. He danced with my patients. He was very muscular and very, very happy and dancing. So the, the, so the, <laughs> He was very muscular? That that's sounds what awkward. It that doesn't sound like Michael Jackson either, by the way. And you look at that guy. I mean, unless it's unless he's some guy that is just, I, I mean, unless underneath all that clothing, he was like a Charles Atlas bodybuilder and nobody really recognized it. You don't really think muscular when you look at Michael Jackson. One thing's atrophied, especially because he was 120 pounds. When they uh, six feet tall, right? But he was 120 pounds. But that was like five years ago. He was 100 pounds when he died. Yes. Uh, when they when they were d- trucking him out to the ambulance, maybe he shrunk. I maybe he shrunk, or maybe it's that story that where they said they they didn't have any food in him, and he was just basically having some Jetsons meal with a bunch of capsules dumped on a plate. It doesn't sound like that's too far off the mark. And plus, you got to figure that being a dancer is hard on your body anyway. I mean, that that can't be a thing that's good for you. Just in a long-term sense, if you're 50 years old and you're trying to, and plus there's all that pressure of like, I got to get on stage and be Michael Jackson. And having seen that performance video of him, you know, the rehearsal video, you know, he, it looked like he was, you know, he still had, you know, he was still very smooth in, in terms of his uh, in his moves and everything. Mm-hmm. But but the pressure, the problem with being a guy like that is every time you go out, it's like you have all the, the shadow of all the performances you've done over the previous however many years looming over you. So you got to figure, as somebody once said, you can't come back. Um, worse or even the same, you always got to come back better. And that would certainly drive a guy to fill himself full of whatever he thought might get the job done. My thing about that dermatologist, though, is when he says, not to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, as if there's a possibility of this. But see, so that's what I'm wondering. Is it, it, it Did Michael Jackson go around collecting sperm from people? I, for the, for well, the possibility? I, I think it's only from him. Well... But maybe not, though. In other words, if it's in other, if we accept it as read that the, the maybe the, it was in exchange for free dancing for the patients. Can I pay for this with sperm? Um, it was a barter. If the but if the dermatologist did donate uh, his male essence at some point because Jackson was thinking he might want kids, maybe it's possible. That, I mean, maybe he had like his own weird seed bank going on somewhere, and he was just and he was just going to make up his mind later on about who he wanted to use. Well, they'll turn up in a black box somewhere. It's kind of like Marlon Brando with the feces. Exactly. It's exactly it's the like same that. thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Hey, coming up, I have this uh, story from the New York Post. Oh, and uh, Joyce DeWitt was busted for having three too many. Over the 4th of July weekend, busted in uh, El Segundo, California. She drove past the barricade drunk, and when an officer approached her, she smelled like booze. She uh, failed the field sobriety test and was sent to jail. She's 60 years old. Her bail is only $5,000. I don't know how she can pay it at this point. Because <laughs> I think you could end that story at, at just at she failed. She's probably still there. <laughs> and nobody cares. Wow, that makes this story I'm about to read so much less interesting. On the other side, we'll, uh, we'll answer the question, how did Megan Fox get her Transformers role? And why are there 55 Model Ts in Yakima? Are there? Yes, there are. We'll find out. It's all on the way, ladies and gentlemen. We are, are there? Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. Good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming by. 
503-228-4101. Coming up uh, next hour, we have seen a radio correspondent, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. He was there at the Staples Center for the uh, entire Jackson soiree yesterday. And uh, we also have a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We'll be uh, sorting those your way, quite possibly, uh, sometime this hour. So be listening for that. Uh, coming up later on, we'll also be giving away a three-pack for KUFO's Summer of Rock. Uh, that is Crew Fest 2, which happens on July 28th, Clark County Amphitheater. Also, the Pedal to the Metal Tour featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, and Static X, which is August 23rd at Washington County Fair. And uh, between the two, Stained and Shinedown and Chevelle, August 10th at Clark County. Info available at KUFO.com. And sometime today, we'll be giving away a three-pack that will get you into all three of those shows. So uh, be listening for details, won't you please? At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. It's 7.04. Good morning. Chance of a shower today. Otherwise, partly sunny skies. High is not hitting 70 degrees, but getting close. One person is dead after a rollover on the I-5. This happened moments ago. Northbound lanes of I-5 were blocked following the crash, which is near the Canby-Hubbard exit at milepost 282 in the Wilsonville area. Fire and police crews are at the scene, so we expect the uh, commute to be very serious on the I-5 in the Wilsonville area. There's also another accident on I-84 eastbound at milepost 38. That is near uh, Cascade Locks. It is an overturn tanker with possible leakage. So please find alternative routes if you're planning on heading in that direction. All right, let's uh, go to the Michael Jackson stuff, shall we? We have tons of it here. And uh, let's begin where things begun at the very beginning. We have uh, the service was kicked off with a statement from Diana Ross, and it was read by Smokey Robinson. Here it is. Michael was a personal love of mine, a treasured part of my world, part of the fabric of my life in a way that I can't seem to find words to express. Now, he was actually, you were right when he said that he's had, uh, I think, some surgery that's gone a little bit wonky. But he his delivery was great, and I thought his, I, if you were just sort of closing your eyes and listening to Smokey Robinson, it was very calming. I think yeah, that was, was actually the word you used. Yeah, it was. So I asked I asked him yesterday, and I think I, I to, to Sarah and Greg, I was like, we should all come up with our three, like the top three moments, the three high points. And he was one of yours. Yeah. Um, and he, he, it actually was, it was very, he had a great, a great tone and a great delivery, and I think he put things off. I mean, he started things off on, on the right foot. He's a very likable fellow. He really is, and you know, he's, got, he's got a real charisma to him. But I think he actually he set things off on the right tone with that. But you also nailed it when you talked about him having that weird Kenny, Kenny Rogers thing, where they it's like they sort of started giving him plastic surgery at his feet, worked their way up, but by the time they got to his eyes, they run out of skin. So there was not quite enough smoky to go around, and they went, well, I... Let's pull it tight so we don't have to go back in the second time. That's the thing. I guess we'll just safety pin everything back. And so so he ended up kind of looking like... He sort of looked like... You'll a, have to sleep with your eyes open for the rest of your life. You'll be <laughs> unable to close them. Can you perhaps hire a small boy to drip saline into your eye every 11 seconds forever? He looked a little bit like that woman in the movie Brazil, where they where they're putting her on the table with plastic surgery, and then the guy just gets behind her and braces his foot in the back and just goes yeah, and just pulls just pulls on the face as tight as he possibly can. Um, anyway, that being said, I love Smokey Robinson. Just don't look at him, kids. Look away, look away. Then there was the Queen of Lativa uh, thanking Michael Jackson for his music and inspiration. Somehow, when Michael Jackson sang and when he danced. We never felt distant. We felt like he was right there, right for us. You believed in Michael, and he believed in you. He made you believe in yourself. 
Now, I missed Queen Latifah. I must have been uh, getting She a... looked beautiful. Yeah, see, she looked now, I was going to ask you. She was totally glowing, and she was really pretty. See, now, is this... I mean, she, she wasn't showing off her extremities yeah. like Mariah Carey. She was Hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> look to your left. Look to your right. Well, it seems like with Queen Latifah, uh, there was a time when looking to your left or your right, you were still going to be seeing uh, Queen Latifah. Was this thin Queen Latifah? She's... No, no, I mean, she's still full-figured. Uh, what does that mean, full-figured? It means she's not fat, not thin, just kind of curvy. That means so that it means she's she like is bigger, a, she is an hourglass woman. She's not a blob. But cool. if you looked at, at at Janet Jackson, her arms were like Italian salamis in a deli case that haven't been opened yet. I think that Janet Jackson looked like here's what she sort of looked like. She looked as though her whole life she's been wrapped in some sort of an invisible tape that keeps her well proportioned, but that the tape is starting to break. And, but in random places, like on one arm and like half of her face, like one leg, just sort of you know, and just sort of you know she. She's embiggening, as they would say in The Simpsons. Um, but the thing with Queen, the reason I ask you about the full figure thing is that's a phrase that guys hear all the time, and guys never know what that means. Mm-hmm. Say, well, she's full figured, and guys, and they're going, well, they're trying to be fat, hot. I don't know what that means. Well, it means because, there's still a figure. It's not just some like you know. Didn't she have the, the gastric bypass thing? Is that what she had done, or or did she just? Or, I think or did, she just lost. Or that. she just lost weight. Um, anyway, so I know she had the uh, a breast reduction I know, maybe a couple of years ago. After, mm-hmm. Right after she did Chicago, she did a thing where she had uh, she had her chest uh, reduced, uh, and then and I heard that she had lost a lot of weight, and I didn't know if she did it uh, sort of naturally or whatever. So, I mean, I mean there are still women who, who look great even though they aren't skinny. Uh, Marilyn Monroe was one of those. She had a little bit more more on her bones than a regular model. No disagreement from me there. I mean, it, here's. The, I a friend of mine actually boiled it on the side. A friend of mine who said, "There's no chick who doesn't look hotter with ten extra pounds," uh, and that is, I would say, for a great number of American uh, women, that is uh, that is true. And for some, it's uh, for some, it's not so much. But I must have been out of the room when she did this. Although I think my wife told me that she also read. She read like a Maya Angelou poem or something. So Maya Angelou wasn't there. No. All right. So because of years of working in talk radio, every time I hear the words Angelou and Maya, I just hear that I rise uh, poem sort of echoing in my head. All right. Uh, Motown founder Barry Gordy Jr. talked about the audition of the Jackson 5 at the Record Company Studios in Detroit in 1968. That was when Michael was just 10 years old. He was the consummate student. He studied the greats and became greater. He raised the bar and then broke the bar. He sang on the record by my talentless son, Rockwell, thus ensuring that it would be a hit. That's people that uh, somebody's watching me song by Rockwell. That guy is Barry Gordy's kid, which is the reason he got uh, that record deal. And also the reason he had Michael Jackson singing the hook on his song, which is and having even having heard that song a billion times. I don't know that I could perform any part of it except for the hook. Sarah. Nope. All I know is the hook. Tim. The hook. That's it. That's that's a, because it it is a de facto Michael. And so much so that you wonder if it was originally a Michael Jackson song, and Gordy just kind of went, uh, "How would you feel about giving that to my son? He doesn't have any skills as such, and so I would like to make him a recording star." So I'll do one more here, and then uh, we'll uh, get caught up. Stevie Wonder made a few comments before he did his song. As much as we may feel, and we do, that we need Michael here with us. God must have needed him far more. That's the sort of thing that Stevie Wonder can say, by the way, and he totally gets away with it, and you, you absolutely just buy it. Oh, I'm looking at Queen Latifah right here. She looks fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers. 
I uh, yeah, she's fine. I'm a uh, yes, I'm a uh, I'm I'm a big uh, I'm a big proponent. I mean, she didn't look like she was ready to give a lap dance like Mariah Carey. Man, seriously, funeral. that I I I went back and I watched that Mariah Carey thing a second time because it was so like weirdly and strangely off-putting. Mm-hmm. Normally, you think boobs, fine. I give a big thumbs up to boobs. Uh, you know, in almost all circumstances, she was also bedazzled. It was boobs. It was bedazzling, and it was bad lip syncing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she should have tied her hair back. Yeah, and she's just haggard at this point. She's uh, she's tired, and also <laughs> now that we're just losing I mean, she all like pretense. Small dog in need of grooming. <laughs> she's a horrible woman. She really is. She doesn't sing that well either. And if you caught her, and she smells, and she's got pokey <laughs> knees. And for every word she says, she she does something with her hand. Her hand with that ugly, sparkly butterfly ring. It's like she's busy talking to Louise well, it's Fletcher. Like songs for the deaf, or the person who's do- <laughs> down in the little corner for the morning news when you're watching on television. And she was totally outclassed by what's his name? That Paul Mooney looking guy uh, who is who See, is next to her. We forgot his name like ten times. I guess yeah. it doesn't matter. I have to write it. He'll down. get some other chance. Uh, uh, it's time to go. Straight ahead, we'll have. Uh, and I think she had a bandage on the back of one of her hands. Oh, I didn't see. Do you that. notice that on her right hand? Uh, it looked like she had like a huge ace bandage or something. Paper cut. Those things happen. We come back. We'll have more from the Michael Jackson uh, memorial yesterday. Coming up next hour, CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop, who was in attendance. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Sometime this hour when you hear Motley Crue, that is before 8 a.m., ladies and gentlemen, sometime this hour... You'll hear Motley Crue. When you do so, be called at 10. You will win yourself a KUFO Summer of Rock 3-pack. as a pair of tickets to Crew Fest 2, happening uh, the 28th of July, Clark County uh, Amphitheater. A ticket to Stain, Shine Down, Chevelle, which happens at uh, Clark County on August 10th. And a ticket to the Pedal to the Metal Tour featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, and Static X. That happens at the Washington County Fairplex, August 28th. Info on all these shows available at KUFO.com. But sometime this hour, we will play a Motley Crue song. When you hear it, be caller 10 at 503-228-4101 when you hear said Crue song and you'll win that uh, KUFO Summer of Rock 3-pack. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, just about everywhere you are today, expect some traffic times. Good morning, it is 723, maybe a shower today. High temperatures near 70. Might not get that far, though. A tanker hauling hot asphalt and oil has overturned at 94, closing down the eastbound lanes near Cascade Locks. They'll be closed down for several hours. That's hot asphalt and oil. Then we have a fatal accident at I-5 southbound. It can be. Expect some lane closures there. That may last for quite some time. Hey, before we do anything else, I should get to this because I teased it at the top of the hour. and, uh, and it, We're trying to dig ourselves out from all of this uh, Michael Jackson stuff, which is just endless. We still haven't gone around the room and kind of talked about our top three moments. Mm-hmm. And I know Sarah actually has two separate lists. You have the... What do you have, the best three and then the worst three? Yes, I had my, like, the ones that were really creepy and then, like, the worst ones. Yeah, I went and back. And the ones that were really sad. I just went back and watched a bit of that Mariah Carey thing uh, again on YouTube. And it's, um, here's the thing about Mariah Carey. When you're. She needs to put on a sweater. That's what she needs. <laughs> you need to cover up, young lady. Your dirty pillows are distracting from the dead. When you're Ashley Simpson and you, or you're lip syncing, I mean. I suppose it's annoying in some low-key way, but who really cares? That is expected. Mm-hmm. But if you're Mariah Carey and your sole claim to fame is that, I don't know, you have like a 50-octave range or something, and you're the, the greatest singer in all and of God's creation. And too. Every and Jennifer Hudson person. sang. Yeah, you pointed that out, right, that Jennifer Hudson didn't even lip-sync, mm-hmm. and she lip-synced at, uh, lip at the Super Bowl. There was a, That was the big flap about, 
her performance at the Super Bowls when she sang the national anthem that it was taped. And they said, well, you know, she's apparently a great singer. and She's got a good voice. Why? And she won an, uh, an Oscar, I think, because she did it for the best uh, song for Dreamgirls. And they said, well, why is she lip syncing at the Super Bowl? And they said, well, it's such a huge audience. You don't want to take any risks of screwing it up. So you've got, you know, everything is pre-recorded, or at least they have a backing track ready to go. But this is an even bigger audience. And yet you could tell that Jennifer Hudson was actually singing. And I wonder if it's because she got so much flack for not singing oh, at the probably. Super Bowl. And if she feels like she has to prove that she's not a contest winner, um, which, I mean, she is, doesn't mean she's not a good singer, um, but, I mean, she's certainly talented. But I think she's probably got a chip on her shoulder to a degree that Mariah Carey doesn't. So Mariah Carey probably feels like she can phone it in and she doesn't need a um, some sort of public failure, especially after having several of those in a row a couple years back. Mm-hmm. So instead, she just decided to put her bosoms on display and warble along to a pre-recorded track next to the uh, the other guy. Anyway, so I should read this Transformer story because we mentioned it. Yes, this the is, Megan Fox thing. This is from page six uh, in the New York Post, which is America's finest newspaper. It is. How did Megan Fox get her role in The Transformers? I think we know. <laughs> Do you, Tim? Do you? Perhaps not. With Transformers Revenge of the Fallen approaching the... How much money do you think it's made at the American box office? Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Right now, as of, as of let's the say, yesterday, the, the Transformers 2, this is Revenge of the Fallen. How much money, as of now, do you think it's made domestic? I have no idea. Six, $600 million. Holy crap. So that, that means we're stuck with her for a while. Yes. With uh, Transformers Revenge of the Falling approaching the $600 million mark at the box, I guess that must be worldwide, but still $600 million. Making it the second film behind The Dark Knight to do so this fast, it's worth discussing how Megan Fox landed her role in such a significant franchise. According to Gossip Column, page 6, Megan Fox got the role with her talent. Her talent at what, Tim? Oh, boy. Acting. When Michael Walking Bay... In slow motion. When Michael Bay auditioned Megan Fox for the first Transformers, I'm quoting now, he made her... Salad? Wash his Ferrari while he filmed the whole thing. She washed his car in the front yard of his house while he sat on a lawn chair and filmed it. And apparently that is how she got the role in Transformers. A videotape of this car washing is said to exist, although no one knows where it is. Michael Bay, of course, is rumored to have a copy. So apparently she came over to Michael Bay's house and he sat drinking in a lawn chair while she washed his car and videotaped it. Okay, that's one of the most amazing things ever. I totally Did she vacuum out the inside also? I don't know. I imagine she vacuumed out the inside, Tim, and the outside. That would be my request. That's the part that's yours, left out. Yours and Michael Bay. <laughs> hey, baby, don't forget to vacuum the outside as well. Just like that. Don't no, no, forget, no, lower. Don't forget my mats. But, I mean, if you're Michael Bay, I mean, if you're one of the most powerful guys in Hollywood, if you can't have some uh, hot 23-year-old come and presumably in a string bikini wash your car for you while you videotape it and have your dude friends come over to watch, really, what is the point of having that power? Mm-hmm. A so, lot of those car washes down there will scratch your car, though, so I can see his way of thinking. Well, you know, the thing is, with the, and with Michael Bay and Megan Fox, I, it's one of those situations where I always say we don't know who to root for, but here I root solidly for him. Oh, Michael Bay is awesome. The thing about Michael Bay is, as bad a filmmaker as he is, and he's an atrocious filmmaker 
He has no illusions about it, though. That's the thing. Like, he has no, he he does not labor under the impression that he's an auteur somehow. Whereas Megan Fox, you can tell from interviews recently that I think, I think somebody thinks she's a little bit more of an actress than she really is. You see she's Michael Bay. She's digging her own hole, though. That's, that, and yeah, she, and she's burning a lot of bridges really fast. And Michael Bay, though, you can tell is just absolutely zen and with and at peace with who he is and what kind of films he makes. So She know. does good running, though. I mean, she had several memorable lines. They were all, run! And, and then she would run. <laughs> Let's outrace this fireball. All right, at the news desk, it's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, let's jump in front of the green screen with a petrified look on our face. Now huh? run this fireball down a hallway and then jump out a window. So the big question today is, where is the corpse of Michael Jackson? It was ru- ru- rumored the body would be buried at Forest Lawn, but apparently that didn't happen. I think what's really happening is, is they're going to wait for that brain and keep the body under refrigeration for the next three weeks till it comes back. And then... Bury him all together. Well, Roop was pointing out that the, fam- the Jackson family, is all of, they're all of different faiths, uh, because a lot of them are Jehovah's Witnesses. I guess Jermaine is, I guess Jermaine is Muslim. And I don't know what Michael was at this point. I, mean, I don't know if he was still a practicing Jehovah's Witness or if he, if he, was, if he had no particular faith. Know. So everybody's kind of got their own you know, deal with how you're supposed to be buried. But I, I think that probably everybody wants to be buried all at once. I don't know that anybody wants to be parted out like an old Buick <laughs> uh, and then sort of, you know, buried higgledy-piggledy. Right, they don't have a separate casket for the brain. No, no, they don't. Uh, so some of the sound bites include Los Angeles Lakers star Kobe Bryant who said, aside from all the sales records, Jackson holds the record for all this uh, music. Michael was also a true humanitarian who gave just as much offstage as he did on the stage. Michael and his family came from humble roots, and Michael always cared very deeply for those in need. Just once I'd like for a guy to die and for somebody to get there and go, he never had to work a day in his life. He was born to money. He lounged around ceaselessly, being entertained by a bevy of celebritants and cocaine. That would be Ted Kennedy. I, I suppose. <laughs> um, so Kobe Bryant, that was actually one of the great moments uh, yesterday. And that uh, it, uh, it, I was talking to Court and Bobby about this, and I said that they had something to, for everybody. There was a moment designed to make every demographic cry, and that was the dude moment. It was Kobe Bryant and Magic Johnson coming out and talking about Jackson. Oh, I don't know. I think it was the Usher moment. The Usher moment was good, too. That, that was my number one When moment. he touched the, uh, the casket. That was just eerie. It really was. Oh, and the other eerie part that I, I thought I would have nightmares about but didn't. Were the those pre-recorded segments with Michael Jackson talking when they were showing the oh, slides those in the background? Oh, that was creepy. my creepy moment. They That's were, what I have on my okay, list. Okay, they were creepy and oddly sexual sounding to no, me. No, the way he's like, "Do you like my violence?" I know, or like turbulence or whatever. It was so weird. But what, there was one later where it sounded like he was reading a Bible verse or something. But he was kind of whispering it as though he was talking to you over a, like a nine seven six number. Like he was trying to talk in a little kid voice or something. But see, the little it did sounded. It sounded very um, sensuous or sensual, whatever the right word there is. And it, it's, it was kind of like he was reading sort of Book of Leviticus kind of stuff, but it was, it, was, it was sort of like, and then your supple flesh will be pressed against mine. And it was all very... This power in my deepest despair. Right, this, oh. yeah, this right here. Will you still care? Will you come? Will you love me tomorrow? In my trance. And my tribulations. Will you give me a slow sponge bath? Through our doubts and frustrations. Can you call me Sally just this once? In my violence, in my turbulence, through my fear and my confessions. I like lavender scented pants. In my anguish. In my confessions. Uh, see, where is this from? I have what? no idea. This was supposed to be from the concert itself. This was all prepackaged. 
and, and it was going to be run during one of the segments of the concert. So this was going to be something that was during the O2 right. arena shows. It wasn't like, and they took the little. I'll never let you part. What is he talking about here, and to whom is he speaking? Everyone. Is it to the to the people? Yeah, to the people. Oh, it's because that because it was going to be his farewell series of shows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I figured it was a, I figured it was some sort of Bible thing uh, that he was reading out loud. But oh, it like just Bible man. But it did. It, but it didn't. It sound like he was. Didn't it sound like bad sort of erotic poetry? Oh, it really did. I mean that. No, weird, it gave me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, creepy. I had to watch it, and they played it like got. three or four different times. <laughs> it, that is right because every time I walked into the living room, it seemed like it was on. Or there was a child crying somewhere. Uh, Straight ahead, we have uh, more from the Michael Jackson Memorial, which happened yesterday. Next hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, who was there anchoring the entire thing front to back. Plus, we'll have Sarah Dillon's three most embarrassing moments uh, from the the uh, the Michael Jackson uh, tribute and uh, a pair of Harry Potter tickets. You stay there. Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, available anytime, anywhere. It's too bad about your rocky insides where no man's seed can find purchase. (laughs) Visit KUFO.com right now. And good morning. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. All right. This uh, from Facebook says, Rick... It's a weird world where in Michael Jackson's children we've, uh, I'm sorry, he said it's a weird world I'm in where Michael Jackson's children, who we finally get to see and hear, seem sweet and normal, and Steve Irwin's daughter is the creepy eater of souls. What is going on with this world? That's, that is really true. The, the bar, I think, was set so low for normality with those kids of Michael Jackson's that when it was the, th- it was the third kid, right? It was... Blanket? No, 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 it wasn't Blanket. Who was it? Was it, uh, is it Paris? Who was the kid that spoke yesterday? That was Paris. That was Paris. That was Paris. The girl. She was um, like 12. Because Blanket is the, is the second boy. Is that his legal name? No, no, no. His, That's his uh, nickname. His legal name is Prince. Pa- Prince Paris II. Okay, yeah. because he's going to have a rough time in school past first grade. I, Maybe his nickname is Blanky, which is fine for nursery school, but... I think they'll probably be, uh, I think all the other students, it'll be like how Elvis used to just go, th- there's this story that when Elvis wanted to go see a movie, he didn't want to have to sit with other people who were like, hey, King, he wanted to be able to just sit and just watch uh, Smokey and the Bandit 2 in peace, mm-hmm. so he would just buy the theater. He would go up and he would just say, hey, you know, hey, how much for the theater? And they'd say, a million dollars, you go, okay, and he'd buy it and kick everybody out, and be like, okay, the King's got to watch a movie now, please leave. I think that'll be the deal with Jackson's kids, because they, they I mean, they must have, they must have some sort of mechanism in place for kids like that that are just so unbelievably famous or connected with famous families that they can't they can't go to any kind of a regular school like above and beyond a school for rich kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and no matter who gets custody of them which is, and you know here's the thing is it seeing those kids yesterday uh and uh, when paris got up to speak did you immediately reconsider everything we thought about the freaky way that he kept them all masked up mm-hmm. did you because but you then know, again, i thought that they looked free without having to wear those weird masks i see i think so too but but you uh, but i wonder if because i mean not to be too serious about it but it was so easy to just to sit and judge that guy for being such a lunatic which he obviously was in a lot of ways but but i mean i certainly thought it was just I thought it was crazy the way that he kept them all, you know, that he had them all covered up, that they had the surgical mask or the Halloween mask. And I'm like, well, those kids are going to grow up to be to be nuts. But, but then you wonder if maybe that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You wonder if maybe if, if it actually was the right thing to do so nobody knew what they looked like until they get to the age of, you know, reason or whatever, till they get to the age of 10, 11, 12, and they can start to at least kind of cope with, with whatever the attention on them is going to be, especially now. So, um, but that was... A, I don't. I just. Don't, I don't know how I feel about that moment with the with with what's her name with Paris speaking though. Because on the one hand, it, I mean, 
It was I, so I'm, sad. Well, that's the thing. Is well, that, and first, I, first, I didn't know what her name was, and then I I saw Paris. I, oh, was Paris Hilton about to speak? And I and I heard about it before I saw it because I had taped it because I was in Beaverton for a lot yesterday. So I went home and I was watching a lot of it uh, tape delayed. And somebody said, hey, did you see Paris break down in tears? And, I, and immediately, like you, I thought Paris Hilton. And then I just got all angry He's preemptively. Like, who invited Paris Hilton? It was like, oh, for, and, well, and, and more importantly, like, who would allow her to speak? I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, for the love of God, are you kidding me? And then I'm watching it, and I didn't realize I was sort of in the moment until it was upon me. And they said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, blah, blah, blah. And they introduced her, and she came up. And I'm certainly not... I, I, I'm certainly not saying uh, that it it was fake. I I really am not saying that. But I am saying that the moment itself of putting her up there, I mean, I just, it it puts a bad taste in my mouth. It did feel kind of dry. Because they knew it would happen. It was the last thing. Because the family, and exactly, and the family must have known that if you stick her up there and say, hey, talk about your dead father, that that, that she's going to lose it. And so I just, I mean, it was very sincere her reaction, but as Sarah just said, the moment was so clearly contrived well, the by the Janet family. Wasn't even well, for, crying. I mean, for all you know, they could have stuck her with a pin or something. Yeah, well, Janet's just like, oh, come here, sweetie, come here. She didn't even look that upset, and then she okay, just Okay, Michael Savage. <laughs> Talk about autistic kids next, Tim. Uh, the, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just it, saying. It, it just seems, well, I'm, it feels to me like the family just engineered a moment in which they knew that she would cry. Right. Which seems mm-hmm. And the poor child ha- had been through quite a bit. She had never been in the public eye, really. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they put her in front of this vast audience, not just in the auditorium itself, but on television worldwide. So they had to expect that something was going to happen. And probably happen. the worst moment of her life, which makes it... So I don't know who put that together. I mean, it's easy to say it's the Jackson family because it seems like all roads no, it was throw, AEG. Throw them. You but, saw it was copyright AEG, the company that owns the tour, and... Staples Center and O2. Yeah, but you got to figure, but you know, but what's her name? Catherine Jackson had to sign off on it because she's the guardian right now, right? Mm -hmm. She's the guardian of the kids, which means that had to go through her. Um, And in my, this is just speaking for me. Maybe she didn't know what she's signing. Like, they gave her the shopping list and that in, it's all, in the same handful and told her right, to sign both. Right between the two receipts for her MasterCard. Um, th- th- because it seems like at that moment, then the Jackson family or whoever it is that put that kid up there to talk are a lot like the reporter who's just, how do you feel? You know, right as like, you know, you, you know, as your entire family has been the, killed in some, you know, the bus accident or something. It was just, it was, it was a bad, a bad scene. So there was that, I quickly, I just made a list of the, some of the, um, some of the moments. These are, I don't know, not good or bad, just these are the things that really leapt off the screen. One was the Kobe Bryant Magic Johnson thing, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Jackson. That uh, was beautiful. His performance was really, really great because it's easy to make fun of the other Jacksons, especially mm-hmm. Tito, and just to to expect almost nothing because they're because they all seem like the Zeppo. Which you one know? was the one that was speaking at the end with the mustache? That sounded crazy. Marlon. That's Marlon. Okay. And he now he a twin. Yeah, he said he thanked his. He, he said something about Michael being up there with his dead twin. Yeah. So I, I'm unclear about that. I just I was un, I, I'm unsure about. They don't how, talk about the dead twin. So is that? But so is that like a a, a deceased brother? It sounds yes. like it. Yeah. Okay. That's what it sounded like. It was the first time I heard about it. Yeah. So that's so that was Marlon. Um. So the the Kobe and Magic moment. Um. Jermaine song. Um. The how cool was this? How badass was it that all the pallbearers had the white sparkly glove, mm-hmm. the yes. one glove? That was righteous because that's a thing that that got to be such a. It, it got to look like such a such a corny thing toward the end of the thriller era because I don't think he wore it for bad. I think by the time he got to the bad album, he ditched the glove. I might be wrong about that. I know he. I don't think he had it on during Dangerous. I think he ditched the glove though around I don't know maybe eighty eight. 
Um, and it got to be kind of a joke. You'd see the glove and go, wah, wah, one glove, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And but it, it was it was like they sort of took it back and reestablished it as like, hey, this I know, you is, know you're going to see those at Hot Topic and everywhere. Right. And and you know what? And whatever it came from and why ever he decided to do it. I mean, that was a great gimmick and it was a great marketing move at the time. And a lot of times, you know, people will ditch that. Like when a star has a very, um, has a very prominent, uh, you know, hairstyle or a way of dressing or some sort of like a trademark piece of jewelry. And then they wearing an alarm clock around your neck, which is the most ridiculous thing I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Elvis Costello in the glasses. After a while, you just get hemmed into that image of like, Oh yeah, he's the guy with the big glasses. And I think Jackson ditched the glove. And so it was good to see them sort of, you sort of take possession of that again in a way that I think elsewhere would have looked really tacky, but it was kind of badass. It was uh, it was it was pretty righteous. Um, when we come back, we'll go around the room and we'll all sort of give the high points and the uh, low marks from yesterday's Jackson ceremony coming up uh, at eight forty. We'll talk to Jim Roop from CNN Radio, who was actually in the arena for the entire thing. He was at the Staples Center broadcasting live, and more from Tim Riley on the way. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday morning. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. And good morning. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. If you want to be caller 10 right now, and I know you do. Uh, you will have a shot at winning a pair of tickets to the uh, KUFO Harry Potter and Half Blood um, set. Hello there. I think I have a uh, popcorn Those seed that you stuck make inside like the my. Uh, thing ever. If you can be caller ten right now, you dial good. We speak. You maybe win tickets to the picture show. Big wall. Uh, if you are caller ten at five zero three two two eight four one zero one, you'll have a shot at winning a pair of tickets to the KUFO premiere. Of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince premieres next Monday. That is July 13th. It is the uh, film of the sixth book in the seven-part series. And we're going to be hosting the premiere next Monday. That is the KUFO premiere of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. If you're caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you will play Match the Sorting Hat. And uh, if you are triumphant, as the woman was yesterday, you'll be going to see that next Monday. It's uh, 503-228-4101. All right, so we were talking about the, the Jackson thing. And let me just... I'll give you just a rundown of kind of where I stand on some of the highlights mm. from yesterday. And I got a lot of text messages from people who were sort of with me on the whole, it's creepy to take a kid who's been sheltered her whole life and then stick her in front of a billion people on That's television. Horrible. It just, and I don't, and I don't fault her. And I certainly, I'm not saying that the emotion was faked. It clearly wasn't, but I do think the moment is contrived because it's probably not anything she would ask to do. It's not a whole like, Hey, can you put me on camera in front of a bunch of strangers after having been invisible basically my whole life? Uh, so I do kind of fault the I fault the family for that, and by extension, I would think specifically what's her name, Catherine Jackson. Did you notice this that everybody was praising Catherine Jackson like nobody thanked Joe Jackson at all, except for Al Sharpton? I think was the only person who did it. That yeah. was one of my observations was about Joe Jackson. Well, because he's a bastard. He's totally a bastard. Just wandered around smiling. He was wearing a big gold chain and looking like a crazy person. Yeah, he it just was, looked evil. I, it really was just. Yet he'll live to be over a hundred. Because evil people always do, and they kept they, and I, I think it was Sharpton who made that observation about, uh, you know, about how there is now a hole in, you know, Catherine and Joe Jackson's lives, a hole where Michael once was, and I was just thinking, you know what, maybe we can get him a kid who looks just like Michael, and he can beat him for a while, just to sort of, you know, to sort of feel like Michael's still with us. Uh, so I have um, uh, Paul Bearers, where his brothers all wearing a one white glove, uh, which was which was righteous. The Jermaine Jackson song, great. Kobe and Magic, that was great. And then I wrote down Al Sharpton. Honorable mention, 
because Al Sharpton was, I mean, he was great. We're going to play that in a minute. The thing about Al Sharpton is, like, do you find this, that when he's speaking and at the end of his speeches, you always feel guilty for some reason you can't quite put your finger on something going, well, I, I just, I feel awfully ashamed. I, I don't know why. I guess I've done something. And then uh, I wrote down to myself, this was uh, yesterday on the Jackson thing, I wrote down, great missed opportunity. You know what they didn't have? Hmm. This is the moment where you're going to say, Rick Emerson, by God. Because I know there are people who, who wonder, why here? Why now? Why Rick Emerson? Mm-hmm. Here's why. This is, this is the genius on display for you all. You know what I, me, Rick Emerson, you know what I would have done if I had been planning the Jackson thing yesterday? You know what they should have gotten? Heart-shaped balloons. An impersonator? <laughs> Adam Sandler? No. Uh, they should have gotten, wait for it, a... Then boy, now man, from Africa, whose people were given food by the USA for Africa group because of We Are the World. And they should have found somebody who said, I grew up in a small village. We had very little to eat. There were times when I had only a single husk of corn to get me through an entire week. And then one day, bags of grain began to arrive on the back of a truck. I had never Bart seen a truck. too over the top. Uh, too over the top. They shoved his kid out on stage in front of 50 billion people because they knew that she would cry. I mean, come on. Mm. The, uh, but then he said, you know. But after a while, the food runs out. And I, then people are too weak to travel. Those are facts, Tim. Fact, we're dealing in the realm of emotions here You're and television manipulation. in the 80s. I'm saying, but you, and he says, you know, I had never heard Michael Jackson's music. For me, life merely consisted of one meal to another, trying to get through another impossibly difficult day. Okay. Little did I know that there was a man who had never met me, but who cared nonetheless. And because of that man, because of his singular devotion to all humanity, because of his love for all people everywhere, I would eat. And then everybody cries. And then I make money. There you go. You want to make people cry? You know... Divorce yourselves. Don't be you for a second. Be the average American idiot. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Yes. The average, if the average American tool had been watching television, that would have been great. So, I, you know, I'm just saying it's a missed. But, you know, they got that O2 Arena show coming up. They could do it there. You can go find one of those guys. On Michael Jackson's 51st birthday in August. I'm just, uh, I know what the people liked him. You got to give them what they want. All right, let's uh, do so this. You didn't even, like, uh, mention Brooke Shields, though. That was the oh, best got, part for me. We have a soundbite. Well, let me, let's do this real quick. We got to do the, uh, the Harry Potter giveaway. Uh, hello. Who might this be, sir or madam? This is Jeremiah. Hello, Jeremiah. How are you on this uh, Wednesday? Good. Heading to work. What do you uh, What do you think of my idea for having one of the USA for Africa kids, uh, now a man, come out and praise Michael Jackson for saving his family's life? <laughs> oh, I love it. So, there you go. See, that's what I'm. See, that's a man with some taste, Sarah. All right. Uh, are you a Harry Potter fan, my friend? Yes, I am. All right. Uh, you could be going to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince next Monday, courtesy of KUFO. Uh, you must now pick one of the four Hogwarts houses. Uh, that is Gryffindor, uh, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, or Slytherin. If your choice matches what the sorting hat says, you'll go to see the movie. Please now to pick a house, sir. Uh, Gryffindor, please. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let us see where the sorting hat puts Jeremiah. Right. Okay, then. Mm. Gryffindor. Excellent. Congratulations, sir. That's yeah. too All right. <laughs> See, that's legitimate excitement right there. That's what I'm, yeah, it's not, 
That's not feigned enthusiasm. All right, Jeremiah, you're going to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, courtesy of the Sorting Hat and Rock 101 KUFO and the Rick Emerson Show. Congratulations, my friend. I'll put you back on hold. Thank you for listening. Sure, thank you. All right, there you go. Awesome. See? It's a station where everyone wins. Well, not everyone, Tim, but well, that's Jeremiah. Right. yesterday lost. <laughs> it's, it's a station where Jeremiah won today, and that's what matters. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Sarah, where are we? Where are we at here? How do you want uh, to? Uh, we have a minute or so. All right, Tim. So let's do. We have some sound here from. Uh... Yes, we do. Mm. Uh, let's see. Here we have uh, Al Sharpton, which is uh, one of my favorite moments from yesterday. Nothing will fill your heart's loss, but I hope the love that people are showing will make you know he didn't live in vain. And I want his three children to know, wasn't nothing strange about your daddy. It was strange what your daddy had to deal with, but he dealt with it. Well, that's where the revisionism has already begun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love Al Sharpton and all, but uh, that's just a lie. That's well, it's his opinion. That's just that's just not true. <laughs> there are many, many, many strange things about Michael Jackson, but you know, such is life. Then there was a Brooke Shields. We both understood what it was like. To be in the spotlight from a very, very young age. <laughs> I used to tease him and I'd say, you know, I started when I was 11 months old. You're a slacker. <laughs> you were what, five? Well, you know, See, that made I Kelsey... don't know what the response was from him, though. No, that made Kelsey and Heather and I all cry. Her speech. The, the Brooke Shields thing. Mm-hmm. She, boy, she looked good, by the way. She, she looked, does. She looked amazing. She looked like somebody in grieving. She didn't look like freaking Mar- Mariah Carey out there with her boobs hanging out. She, she was. Mm-hmm. She looked sad. She just had a normal makeup. Like yeah. she tousled. Is she, she is she single? Um, no, she's. Uh, I don't know. Then, Nobody can answer that. I'm, I'm, she has I'm not sure. I'm confusing her with somebody else. I'm confusing her with Valerie, Bert- Valerie Bertinelli. Um, I don't know why that is. I will say uh, that you're right. She looked beautiful without trying to look glitzy. She, you know, here's the thing about Brooke Shields. She's legitimately beautiful too. She's a, yeah. she's a very, she's an honestly beautiful mm-hmm. woman. Um, looks her age. All right, she is married. Yeah, you know, but that's uh, that's just a Hollywood. I wish you do Sarah. a sequel to the Blue Lagoon. They they did a sequel to the Blue Lagoon without her. Did you ever see it? No. Oh, it's awful. That's why I didn't. Well, you know, and she and Jackson have a lot in because They both have crazy nutcase parents. Because mm-hmm. you know, Brooke Shields' mom. Uh, it was a basket didn't case. Didn't the Inquirer allegedly kidnap her mom from the loony bin and take her on a boat ride for something? The Inquirer kidnapped Brooke Shields' mom. That's what I read somewhere. I don't. I don't remember anything Those about are the that. allegations. Oh, but she, you know, because Brooke Shields' mom, she was like a notorious stage mother. She's one of the worst. She is the one. Brooke Shields' mom is always cited as like the single worst example of stage mother that could possibly exist. She's like the and they're the most effective. The usually. goal. Well, that. But see, that's the thing. That's what nobody ever likes to say. I'll destroy my child's life, but it's in their own good. It's sort of like a. It's like the, the raising the village in order to uh, to save it. Um, which is, I mean, that's the Joe Jackson method. That's the Murray Wilson uh, method. Um, and in the end, your kid grows up rich and famous and bitter and hating you and in therapy forever and nuts. The Osmonds so. aren't, but Marie's kind of crazy. No, uh, I was going to say, the Osmonds aren't, but I mean, you, you realize that that's only because, what's his name, Merrill Osmond, I think, was the, the dad. Uh, George beca- Osmond. Because he, pu- he kind of pulled the plug at a certain point and decided that he didn't want them to get any more famous. Um, as opposed to, the, that's the, the, the thing, actually, is that the Jacksons are... What the Osmonds would be if they did not have uh, that weird, you know, if they didn't have the, if they didn't um, have that weird self-destruct mechanism that I think that the religion put in them to sort of pull the plug at a certain point. 
All right, straight ahead, uh, we have more from Michael Jackson's memorial ceremony coming up at 840. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop, who was at the entire uh, shebang yesterday, and he'll give us the lowdown on everything that happened inside. You're listening to The Rick Emerson Show. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday morning. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of The Rick Emerson Show, or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. I was toilet trained at 12. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Good morning to you. It is The Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503 228 401-503-228-4101 coming up at 8.40. Ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Uh, he was there in attendance at the Michael Jackson Memorial, kind of broadcasting uh, wall-to-wall and doing uh, the coverage on the whole thing. So we'll find out uh, what it was like from the inside. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 8.25. We have a shower too today. Highs may not hit 70. Big accident, I-84, eastbound, seven miles east of Multnomah Falls. It has closed on the I-84. Uh, the traffic is exiting at exit 35. This was a truck full of hot tar. Then we have a fatal accident, I-5 southbound at Canby, and expect delays in that area also. What a bizarre story this is. An Oklahoma couple's been arrested for burying a young girl in Oklahoma, then digging up her remains moving to Eastern Oregon, and storing her body in a storage facility. Storing her body here or there? Yes, here. Well, you don't want to, I mean, I guess the theory is that, you know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer, and the evidence closest of all. Abel and his wife, Denise Wolf are being held without bail in Hill County Jail in Montana. Uh, apparently, they moved away from Oklahoma, dug up the girl, and brought her back here. They moved to Milton Freewater, Oregon. You think they would at least bury her at some midpoint uh, location along the way? I mean, not you know. I mean, if you have to go from there to here, there's got to be some sort of a uh, some sort of an area in between the two where you would leave the body. So uh, I guess the uh, the neighbors a little bit suspicious over how she died. Also, yeah. so more about that some other time. Meanwhile, back to all this Michael Jackson stuff. In case you haven't heard, today's uh, yesterday's memorial will not be the last. Sources say Jackson insiders are planning a true memorial concert for what will be the singer's 51st birthday on August 29th. The location will be the O2 Arena in London. Now, is this just going to be one show? This is not going to be like the 50-show thing that they were talking about before. Because the promoters are still going to take a bath on that thing. There's just no getting around that. Uh Uh-huh. I, they got to be careful they don't over-tributize that guy, uh, too, because everybody. I mean, yesterday was such a huge, phenomenal event. And I think, can I speak for all of us when I say it went so much better than we thought it was oh going to? Oh, my God, it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ended up being, astonishingly enough, pretty dignified. It which, was calm and nice. Like, I thought it was going to be crazy. Uh, yeah, I was just anticipating chaos, but I think really it... It did just come up, for the most part, Mariah Carey notwithstanding, it did just come off like a funeral. Well, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean that sort of tone, the respectful vibe. People always expect rioting around the Staples Center, but this time, <laughs> well, and you just you just figure any time you have a lottery for tickets for something, so you've got that factor going on, you've got endless media coverage, uh, you've got a, a whole lot of different uh, attend- attendees and participants that all kind of come with their own fan base. And you just, you know, and then you add just the general aura of hype that surrounds Michael Jackson. 
you just sort of figured that, that, that you were just tempting fate, and I think they were, but amazingly enough, it just wasn't a disaster. It was, I think it went astonishingly mm. well, like way better than they than they probably even anticipated. Magic Johnson talks about Michael Jackson's love for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Michael called me one day and said, I want to talk to you about being in a video, remember the time. So I went over to his house to have dinner. The chef came out and said, what would you like? I said, some grilled chicken. So as we began to talk about the video and what he wanted me to do, the chef bought me out the grilled chicken, but he bought Michael out a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I went crazy like, wait a minute, Michael, you eat Kentucky Fried Chicken? That made my day, that was the greatest moment of my life. Well, it's good to have a high watermark, I suppose. <laughs> the That is the thing, the danger of being a celebrity, and, and Sarah and I have uh, well-documented unhealthy relationships with food. But, I mean, the idea that, that once you become famous enough, it doesn't matter. that There's somebody who will bring you whatever you want to eat. Twenty. It's like having your own personal Cosmo.com. Mm-hmm. They'll just bring you anything you want at any time, day or night. So you understand why it is that Elvis would just sit there and eat fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches, you know, until he was 740 pounds. There's a, uh, that's some risk management that one needs to take control of. Outstanding. All right, Tim. We have Jim Roop coming up, don't we? Are we, uh, okay, so we, good God almighty, it's 8.30 already. Mm-hmm. You're darn tootin' it. I is. was just going to say, remember the time, is, is Magic Johnson in that? I thought it was Eddie no, Murphy. No, it's Eddie Murphy and I, Iman. That's right, because it's like a, it, I think he might actually be in it. Because it's like a Persian kind of a thing, role. right? And yeah. there's a deal, you know, the deal where Jackson turns into a big pile of ball bearings or something he's isn't that the deal like well he's having an affair with the queen i remember that and he's just like here i am and then and the next thing you know he's like he's turned into a bunch of marbles and he's rolling over the floor i make it maybe i'm not relating it with the proper um understated grace and dignity (laughs) all right well in any event coming up next ladies and gentlemen cna radio correspondent jim roop he'll be joining us at 8 40 he'll talk about what it was like to be inside the whole maelstrom of the jackson memorial yesterday and uh, sometime before the top of the hour we will be giving away a 50 dollars gift certificate to the agency ultra sports lounge as well so you stay tuned for that we're live from beautiful downtown portland oregon it's wednesday morning the rick emerson show on rock 101 kufo now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone in accordance with prophecy the rick emerson show live or via podcast at kufo.com And good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, So traffic note, if you are headed, well, if you're on I-5, anywhere from Woodburn to, you know, anywhere... Uh, apparently that has uh, that has effectively stopped at this point. So there's a whole series of bad. Was it Greg saying accidents. expected for ten miles? That's I think uh, Tim had relayed to us that it was backed up for ten miles, and that is I five north. And then we had a listener who called and said that he was in Woodburn, and that I five north that far back uh, had effectively just uh, just stopped where he was. There was just no movement at all, and that apparently um, and apparently I eighty four that's all gnarled up as well. So it's just it's a bad bad scene out there. So I this is. Uh, this is the point where I wish that we had good advice to give you. There's some sort of alternate route that you could be taking, but mm-hmm. I don't really know that that's uh, I don't really know that's practical at this point. I don't know that, that there's any sort of plausible way around any of that. So if you're stuck in it now, you know how bad it is. If you're not, uh, you know, just do your best. If you're if you are 
going to be taking I-5 at some point, probably at, th- at this juncture, you just want to wait and you don't want to get out there uh, right now. You just want to you want to hold off it uh, off on it sort of as uh, as long as possible. It's just going to be a bad scene. Um, All right, coming up at 9, we have Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. And uh, coming up sometime before the top of the hour, we'll be giving away a $50 gift certificate to the agency Ultra Sports Lounge. That is coming up at some point in their very near future, so you want to be listening for that. Without further ado, we welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, our good friend James Roop. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning. How are you? When is the last time you had more than four hours of sleep? Uh, Twelve days ago. Excellent. Um. But, yeah, I'm taking the rest of the day off. I was just... Oh, I was, you sound awful. <laughs> I was just going to say, I hope that you've you've got a bed in your future at some point. A bed and a big sign on the door that says, stay out. Actually, I have to... Uh, I'm going to be... i, I got to do some family crap today. <laughs> but, you know, tomorrow maybe I'll get some sleep. Uh, you know that. Here's the thing about um, the thing about family crap is it is sort of like the mortar between the bricks of your job. So whenever you don't have hours that are spoken for uh, by the man by the company, your family's just happy to. They're happy just to go in and fill up all the remaining time. It's, oh man, they're overjoyed about it. Yeah, that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, before you sort of uh, slumber off to a zombie walk through a day of interaction with your loved ones. Uh, what is the what we? I don't know how to say it. It seems like it was just so big it can't even be described. But I will say that first and foremost, boy, the Jackson thing went so much more smoothly and with so much with so much more decorum and tact than I think anybody anticipated. Yeah, I think this is the first time in thirty whatever years I was proud to be a resident of Los Angeles, and the first time in that many years that Michael Jackson was associated with something subtle. Yeah, um, you know, it was logistically it was great. You know, with the LAPD and the and all the stuff that went on with that, and and uh, like you say, the fans they they weren't rushing or running. They they were just they you know they, I think they realized they were pretty lucky. Out of the million plus people that registered, seventeen thousand folks that got tickets, they were pretty lucky to be there. But when they brought Jackson's casket in. Uh, is when everybody sort of got on the same page and they went, wow, man, this is real. This is like a memorial service. We better be quiet. Exactly. See, and I had pegged it being just the opposite. When they when we started to hear that Jackson's body was going to be there, I thought, oh, God, that's that's when it's everybody's going to go all Iranian and there's going to be, you know, it's just going to be chaos. It could have it, it could have gone that way, but it, it, it did not. But you're right, because everybody suddenly, you know what it was? It, because, I, you know, these, these the people who were on uh, TV for, you know, whatever, the 24 hours in advance saying like, you know, I got a ticket and they're kind of waving waving his ticket at the camera like they were going to see Springsteen at the garden or something and you know not really not really cognizant of the fact like okay well yeah but it's a ticket to a, a funeral and just cuz the word just cuz the letters F U N are in a funeral doesn't mean that it's a it's a it's a swell time for everybody right. and once they got to the venue you're right that's when it sort of hit them like okay well this is you know like this is what it is and we got to behave accordingly and everybody did and and you know the the performers all had the right degree of you know the right balance of showmanship but but restraint uh there were moments like uh, Tim Riley kept going to usher kind of touching the casket when he was when he was up there which was just a very the very simple powerful thing um it was uh, it was great what were your thoughts though there seeing it firsthand well first of all i i liked I like the levity. I like when Brooke Shields says Jackson tried to teach her unsuccessfully a moonwalk. I like when Queen Latifah said the first record she bought was Dancing Machine, her and her brother trying to get the robot down. Magic Johnson saying, you, are you eat Kentucky Fried Chicken? Right. You know, uh, Barry
Terry Gordy talking about the baseball game. Uh, Smokey Robinson saying he wanted to check his check Jackson's ID because he couldn't believe a kid of 10 years old could sing with that kind of emotion and soul. That part I really liked. I mean, I, that, you know, forget all the other lovey-dovey crap. You know, give me some stories, man. Right. That that stuff was great. And then the Prince Michael, the kid was chomping gum and it was very distracting. But then I looked at Joe Jackson, he was chewing gum too. So I went, eh, whatever. It's a but family thing. The greatest moment was at the very end when when Paris talked. And a couple of things happened for me at that point. Number one, I thought, hey, this kid's are pretty well adjusted. You know, she had good poise up there. And the second thing was she turned, after she broke down, she turned to the arms of Aunt Janet. And I right. thought, okay, there's a relationship there. That You can't fake that with an 11-year-old kid. They're too real and too honest. Uh, you know, you can't fake that kind of thing. So I went, ah, you know, I hope Debbie Rowe's taking note here. Leave the kids with the Jacksons. Leave them with Grandma and Grandpa. They'll be fine. Well, you can tell that that's who, you know, and, you know, it's like they always say, if you speak multiple languages, uh, you can tell which your, what your native tongue is when you hit yourself with a hammer. You know, it's whatever you swear in. Uh, you know, that's, you know, whatever you shout out, that's your language. And whatever, whoever you go to at a time like that is probably who you click with the most and it was it, specifically janet but, but obviously you know the, the immediate family the a couple of thoughts about about paris and when she was up there the, my first one was that i and i think for a lot of people i immediately reconsidered all of the stuff that i'd said all the years about how about how he was turning those kids crazy by having them all masked up and you couldn't see who they were and he had you know he had the surgical you know coverings on their face and whatever and i was like well that's you know those kids are all going to be you know they're all going to be uh, you know maladjusted i mean you know and who knows what the future holds but it does seem like that that was probably the right move all along was to yeah. keep them sheltered that way yeah they they you know they didn't get shoved in the spotlight and paparazzi following with it they're not gun shy you know they they seem real like i said kind of i was surprised at how well adjusted they were you know I, 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 same thing you said about the service it wasn't too much it wasn't too little it wasn't the hollywood spectacle people were expecting it was real it was tasteful you know and and and, and the fans gave the family their time you know it was kind of cool you should uh, tell mariah carey to cover up still nuts what tell, tell mariah carey to put a shawl on or something though you, yeah, i got she's very distracting too, because she she directs herself. You know, the hand going everywhere. Right. Whatever note she hits is how high the hand goes. Yeah, I wanted to tie that hand down. You know, don't... I, I kept noticing that, and that big rock on her finger going up and down. You know, holy mackerel. Uh, but I, I can't... Because I can't sing like that, so what the hell am I talking about? Well, fair it was distracting. Yeah, but it was good, and when Al Sharpton... I, I agree with everything Al Sharpton said, except when he told the kids, your dad's not strange. Come on. The guy's the guy is strange. Right. Well, that's that was our thing. Is like that that is the tiniest bit of revision and uh, revisionism there, which you can even Barry Gordy said there were some bad decisions, some questionable stuff. You know, even Barry Gordy said it. You know, and you know you can, and I guess all of that stuff is, uh, you know, the rules are just so um, the rules are made so elastic. You know, at a memorial or at a wake or anything like that. As, uh, as somebody once said about memorials, they are they are uh, nights of laughter and lies, which is you know, but in the best in the best possible way. And right. and and Al Sharpton, could you tell this is just a sort of a logistical point that Tim and I were discussing earlier. Do you know if he had a teleprompter? Because I, Tim couldn't spot one, and I didn't see one. There, there, he, he wasn't speaking from a teleprompter, no. But there was one. There was like a cue card type area where, uh, you know, people were who had lines to say. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were using it. Well, that's they even more... They had notes. They didn't want her to look it down at the notes, but they had notes that they wanted to refer to because it was a pretty... 
Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a fairly rushed and put together thing. And so when people would write something, they would need something to see, so they wouldn't have to look down at notes. But the thing that proved to me how rushed it was was the program, because the program had lots of typos in it. And I wish I would have held on to mine, because I saw I saw on eBay they were going for like six hundred bucks. <laughs> but I gave mine to some little girl who was crying because she forgot hers inside and they wouldn't let her back in. So. Oh, you're so nice. Because you have a heart of gold, Jim. Well, Rob. It was probably a ruse. Her I'll get another one by that man. He's got one, you know. But you know, whatever. I mean, hopefully she really did forget it. And then the tears looked real to me. She was crying. I said, "What are you crying about?" And I thought maybe she was lost. She said, "No, I left my program inside. They won't let me back in." Yeah, she was like ten or something. I say, "Here, take mine." You're, a, you're, you know what? It, you're the mean Joe Green of a new generation. <laughs> Hey, kid, here you go. Uh, All right. Hey, uh, well, at, at your earliest opportunity, I would just, with your family, just fake, uh, you know, fake that you have some horrible intestinal distress. That usually gets people away from you. And then just go sleep somewhere. Go, uh, just go say, I got to duck into the whole thing. And just you know, grab grab yourself like 10 or 15 I hours. I got to do something because I'm, you know, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty empty. All right, my friend. Well, uh, recover at your earliest opportunity. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. I know it's been a bit of a bit of a few weeks for you. So yeah, but uh, you know it's over. All right. Well, we will for now. Anyway, the investigation in a couple of weeks we'll kick it all back up again when the toxicology comes back. Well, the toxicology, then the custody, then the estate, and all that. But uh, I got my summer racked up, baby. <laughs> Yo, your show prep is done, sir. Woo-hoo! All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. All right, go. There you go. That's Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Gave his program to a crying little girl. I love him so much. He really is the greatest guy ever. All right. Well, on that note, uh, before we do anything else, let me say this. Uh, today is Wednesday, yes? I don't even yes, have Jim Rope's excuse. I'm so confused. I am yeah, I think so it's out of it today. I, I'm just going to apologize right now. I just, I'm so, uh, my brain is just a blur. Well, I think after yesterday. It's okay. Uh, that it wasn't even yesterday. It, well, it was yesterday. Well, it's been but, uh, building like for the past two weeks. What's today? Yesterday, Tuesday. So uh, Monday. I mean, it th- I think it started. I think it started last Thursday when we thought they were going to have the memorial Friday. Right? Wasn't that the deal? Yeah, and then we took Friday off. When? Oh, that's right. We were we were out of town, mm-hmm. and also and I and also got like I completely disobeyed my new sleeping schedule all weekend. In any event, so this has just been exhausting. It just feels like it's Friday already, but it's uh, it ain't. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow our guests will include. Tomorrow's just uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Joey Chestnut, who's the competitive eater, just won the fourth uh, fourth time in a row. He won the hot dog eating championship at uh, Nathan's Coney Island. Uh, so he'll be uh, here tomorrow. And we've also got. I didn't even get a chance to mention this only passingly. So we had this discussion a few weeks ago about filthy workplaces and just the uh, germs that are found in your office. So tomorrow the Multnomah County Health Department is going to come here, and they're going to oh. go through this Oh, I old... don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, but you're going to know. Uh, the Multnomah County Health Department is going to go through this bottom floor of the building tomorrow where all the uh, DJs are. And uh, they're going to tell us what the filthiest place in the building is, not counting the bathroom. I sort of figure the bathroom is, you know, that's a buy there. Okay. Uh, but they're going to they're going to tell us what the filthiest oh, like place our microphones is. And stuff? Yes, and they're oh, going to and no. not only that, Sarah, they're not only going to tell you what the filthiest place is, but they're going to tell you what germs are likely on it. So on your microphone, they'll tell you what germs are probably on that. Enjoy your last day of not dwelling on streptococcus. Oh, by the way, I eighty four eastbound east of Trotdale closed for eight hours. So. On that note, ladies and gentlemen.
Uh, we want to remind you that coming up Friday at 9 a.m., the KUFO half-off sale will begin. Uh, you're going to be able to uh, get such things as a $50 gift certificate to the Agency Ultra Sports Lounge for just $25. So it is just as it sounds. It is uh, one gets you two, 25 gets you 50, and so on. A $50 gift certificate to the Agency Ultra Sports Lounge for $25 this Coming Friday, and that really is a great place. It's across the street from PG Park, and there's uh, the billions of TVs in there. They got sporting events, just I mean, new sporting events, stuff from last week, stuff from last month. It's all digitally archived. Uh, they got gaming systems, console games, all different kinds, and great food as well. So if you haven't been there, you, you really ought to try it. Across the street from PG Park, the Agency Ultra Sports Lounge. You can get a fifty dollars gift certificate for just twenty five dollars starting Friday, nine a.m. Part of KUFO's uh, half-off sale at KUFO.com. Right now, if you're caller 10, you will win one of those uh, in advance, though. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Roop, uh, as well as uh, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. And um, we want to thank uh, just everybody who sent us every little observation, piece of audio, picture, everything from the Jackson Memorial yesterday. It was was quite something. So starting tomorrow, we will uh, dig ourselves out. Uh, from this massive pile of news that has accumulated. Also tomorrow, be joined by Joey Chestnut, competitive eater, and the Multnomah County Health Department, uh, who will discuss all of the germs found in this, the KUFO studio and beyond. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Greg Nibbler. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn at the front desk. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. And, of course, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up at 9, smells like the 90s with our good friend, Buzz. Today is Wednesday, July 8th, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. As always, have a good day. Watch out for snakes. We'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now. Assalamu alaikum. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.